The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Okay, everybody. The day after Christmas, and we rocked and or rolled two hours plus breaking the games down. We explain our approach in week 17 with the Super Contest, with the pod. A lot of value there. Speaking of value, the way you lock it in is make sure you get the right number. The way to get the right number, you've got to have a sufficient number of sports books, of outs, as they say. BetDSI.com. You can get started with an extra bang for your buck with their bonuses. We use the promo code BELL101, B-E-L-L-101. Impeccable reputation for great service, fast payment on your winnings. And with that Bell 101 promo code, while you're signing up, you get the special bonus offer. No better time, quite frankly. There's no time with more action, with more opportunity to take advantage of having another out than the rest of the bowl games, the NFL playoffs, all the way to the Super Bowl, all those props. And, boy, we take advantage of those, Fezzik especially. We'll do a podcast just on the props. And also, a couple weeks later, March Madness. Now's the time if you need an extra out. And remember, probably the easiest way to improve your win percentage is getting the best number. And a good sports book, adding one, helps you get the best number. BetDSI.com. Use promo code BELL101. Now on to the big show. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right. Week 17 NFL edition. With my wise guy roundtable to my left, Brad Powers in with his positive year-to-date betting numbers in the NFL. To my right, Steve Fezzik, only two-time Super Contest champion. I'm RJ Bell. We got the VIG, Maddie Holt. Family travel out of Nevada today. It's Wednesday, the day after Christmas. Hey, there's betting to be done. Day after Christmas, Fez told his boy, Daddy got to go to work. See you in a couple of hours. Did he cry, Fez, or was he thinking, hey, I've got a bunch of toys. Daddy's done his job. Remarkably, he asked me who I have today. <laughs> <laughs> gotta love it. We got a little Fez coming up. Now, when's, are you allowed to gamble at 18? We might have uh, the Fez and, and Son show here not too long from now. True disclosure, he comes in on Sunday morning. I'm betting NFL props Sunday morning, and I'll have him like look up what the, a certain site is dealing on a quarter eight. He's like, oh, Ro- Rogers is 298, daddy. <laughs> okay. Hey All right, so Super Contest two and three last week. Mm, second losing week of the year at the end. We're going to put this at the end of the pod. I want to spend about 10 minutes or so talking about last week because I actually don't have 
it, it, process versus results, right? In poker, oftentimes Feds will be a two outer and you'll lose. And it's a you know big pot. Maybe you get busted from a tournament. I'm not a tournament player myself, but now do you think, oh, I was, you know, now let's think about it. I guess a two outer with 50, I guess is what, usually 47 cards at that point to go that have been exposed. Yes. Or not exposed. So you got two out of 47. So it's about 4%, right? Is, are you going to say, oh, I messed up getting it all in 96 to four? Or do you say, hey, the process was right. God darn it. The results were wrong or the results lost. Now here's the the paradox. The paradox is if you aren't going to have a chance to have enough reps. So in poker, if I'm playing in a home game or I'm playing at a certain level, five ten, let's say at the Bellagio, odds are I'm going to get my opportunities. If I'm right, I'm going to win. If I'm playing a positive EV game, I'm going to win in the long run. But we might never get another super con a chance. I think we very well could, but because really, Fez, I think we've been unlucky. The irony is, if you look at the games, you could say team pregame was really lucky, and the games we were really unlucky. I think at best we were even on those games. And no, I don't think it's possible to say we were plus games when it came to the, 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 let's say uh, 90, 10 type lucky games. What would you say? Agree. And further, I would say that our results early on Sunday have been phenomenal. So often, RJ, it's like, boy, if we get this last game on Sunday night, we're tied for the lead and we've missed on two or three of those. But again, in the long run, that's all going to even out. But, you know, do you live long enough for the long run? And that's the challenge because a little tease of what we're going to be talking about is the idea that a lot of people told me, and again, obviously low IQ individuals, but they're like, I can't believe that you put $640,000 on Carolina with a backup quarterback. And it's like, that's the whole point. The fact that no one wants to put 640000 on Tyler Heineke means that's why there was value on Tyler Heineken. We rolled with the Heineken, and then he got hurt at the end of the first half, and that did not help. Yeah, who knows how it would have went, right? So to me, it, the leader had Carolina, right? And I think one other person right below us had Carolina. So we'll talk about what we learned from last week at the end so people can choose if they want to listen or not or if they just want the picks. But now let's talk about the picks. Here's what we're going to do. Listen closely to this. Listen closely. I'm still waiting. You listen? All right, here it is. We are going to give you exactly who we like this week. And we're going to tell you right now that who we play in the Super Contest very well could be different. And not to get too much into it, but most people at the head of this contest probably have, you know, in the, in the lead with us probably have some ideas on this, but in general, we want to make up ground, right? We've got one player, two games ahead of us specifically. And to make up ground, you can't have the same picks as the guy ahead of you. I think that's fair to say, Fez. Is that a simple way to say it? Yeah. An even simpler way to say it would be the last thing you want to do is submit your pick Sunday 
uh, Saturday and then find out an hour later that you've been eliminated before any of the games have been played. Because if you match up all five, you couldn't can't make up ground, right? Yes. So what we like versus what we think is going to be um, not popular could be two very different things. So you need, but what I promise you, and this, I tell you, I actually got, I didn't get worked up at all with any of the feedback on Twitter. One, we got so much positive attention. Like for every idiot, there was 10 people saying, RJ, we've made so much money. You've taught us so much or the pods taught us so much. It's like, to me, that guys, that's what makes this worth it to it. I mean, we've got a national radio show five days a week. We could easily say, oh, the pod's going to be 40 minutes and we're going to, obviously we enjoy this. Why? Because of you, because of the listener who appreciates it. And we're going to win. Hey, we're going to have, we're going to have years that we lose. We're going to have years that we lose. There's no easy way to win this game. To me, Fez, what's, if we, and we'll do the gold next year with the gold, what's our over under for next year? 55%. I'll take over 55 because of the stale lines. Hmm. 57. Yeah. Oh, but, I'll but take picking, under 57. But picking, picking five games. Oh, uh, that's true. Maybe it is 55, but either way, either way, it's not 67. It's not 60. And I've off, I've offered to folks saying anyone who thinks they can hit 57%, I will give do a straight up bet with you that you cannot hit 57%. And I'm still waiting for somebody to take me up on that offer. Well, we did this a couple years ago where I think this was the fifth year where your super contest had been in year four and five looking back. And we said, this is Fezzik's super contest win rate the last five years. And I think at the time, if I remember right, it was like 56.7 or something over a five-year period. And I told, you know, on national radio, on everything we were doing, we'll bet you up. You know, we said $100,000 was the bet. Because I a lot of small fry would want to bet 5K, figuring even if they're negative EV, they get a lot of publicity. So if you want to play with us, it's 100. But the, it's not with us. It's over under where you hit 56.7 this year. Can you match what Fezzik has done in front of the world for five years? And no one took us up on it. Right. And I was playing in a fi- that 510 game with Hollis at the Sun Coast and all these super sharps were there and, and Alan Boston was there and no one took us up on it. So not saying anything against Alan and Alan's a college guy, but, uh, he certainly has friends and no one took us up on it. So that is about one amazingly fast that you hit 56.7. I think it was, and I could be off some decimals there, um, for memory for five years, five picks a week for five years is tough. Right. And I mean, you would make the case the lines have gotten harder. I mean, even from, you know, certainly from eight years ago, let's say, right. The NFL lines have gotten significantly harder to beat yeah and the reason they've gotten harder let me clarify this i personally don't think the odds makers are really that much better than they were 10 years ago i don't think they're any better yes but what is happening market is sharp yes and the market jumps on bad lines you can look no further than can i can i win on monday or tuesday in the nfl absolutely i'm ultra confident we see that with my line movers each and every week and then later on i got to get some information typically because the plays i like early in the week Usually the lines move a couple points and the value erodes. Agreed. And that's why one of the basic commandments of beating sports is bet as early as you can because betting against odds may, and and Brad, you've shown this uh, in a stunning way. And so have others 
um, in town, the college football experts, especially when they come out with those game of the year lines at the golden nugget, or I think South Point did it this year too. I mean, you've usually had what 15 or so games in the, the in the games of the year. And usually your line uh, come game time, what were you gaining? Three, four points a game on average. Yeah. Where you were laying, you know, laying four instead of seven, yep. you know? So in the long run, you can't, you know, you can't lose that in the long run. Right. So, but that's Brad against one or two or three odds makers. Right. Now, are those three odds makers sharper than Brad? Probably, but they've got to put up every. Now, are each of them sharper than Brad? No, no but collectively, probably. Yep. But you can't put up 125 games and not make five mistakes. Right. So it's one of those. Uh, my, I love the line from Heat when John Voigt's talking to De Niro and he's saying, Pacino loves you. You know, Pacino's the cop. And he goes, he thinks you're sharp. He goes, but remember, Voight says, you've got to be right every time. He's got to be right one time. And a good example of that was Oklahoma's playing Alabama this week. And months ago, we talked about the they put up a line if these two teams were going to play at one of the books here in town. And they made it, I think, 17 to 17 and a half. And we were saying, you know what? Gosh, if Oklahoma makes the final four, they're pro, they're pro, that line's probably going to have to come less because their power rating will go up. Now the line's 14. So just one of many Bets that we've got three points the better of. How does that apply at all? Well, just what we were talking about, a virgin line that goes up on the Oklahoma. But was it Alabama. a virgin line or was it up for weeks and weeks? Well, it was up for weeks and weeks, but it's the sort of thing, games of the year, that, that the pros don't pay much attention to. A lot of the pros in terms of betting it, the syndicate pros, because the limits are so low. But anything low limit, the syndicate pros don't pay attention exactly. to. Exactly. So it doesn't have anything to do with betting early against odds makers. You're talking about illiquid markets. Yeah, but we're betting very early in that case. In what case? When we were betting Oklahoma against Alabama. No, it was up for weeks. So you see, yeah, it was up very, very early. But we're not talking about early. Early, let's define what early is so people don't misunderstand. Is early isn't so many days before the game. Early is compared to when the odds were offered, right? So, Brad, you were going down, and again, we're talking semantics, and the concept of us getting the best of it is the same, but it's totally off point. So just for the to do justice to the listeners, let's make this clear. You used to go down when Johnny Avello was doing yep. the deal at the win, where it was like, hey, we'll do the world opener, or it, won't, it wasn't really world openers, but first Vegas openers, and he wasn't really even, Chris was usually up first. Yep. But he wasn't even looking at those lines as far as we could tell. No, he wasn't. He was willing to take some, you know, cracks at his numbers, which give him credit, right? Uh, though with Chris, you know, bet online or something I could see varying, but with Chris, I wouldn't want to vary. But again, kudos. We don't ever want to discourage odds makers or, or sports books from being aggressive with things like this because it gives batters a fighting chance. But you were betting within five minutes or whatever minutes of the odds going up. So if you is and there, what was there a line would form yeah, a line. and then each person was allowed betting how many games, three games. And then they had to go in the back of the yep. line. So in that case you were betting early in that the lines were available. And if you were first in line, the lines being the odds lines being the physical line, two different things. If you were first in line to bet the fresh lines, you were betting against Johnny Avella. Yep. You were willing to lay one ten. Absolutely. But he had to put up all the games or yep. whatever games he put up. That's early. Right now, the AFC, NFC Super Bowl odds, generic conference odds, that's early in the games six weeks away. 
but that's been up for months and months. Uh, I see the distinction. Right. So to me, it's, it's the key. Now, I also agree with you, illiquid markets like WNBA or some props where, hey, the limits are a nickel or whatever, or a dime. Those don't have the big syndicates involved because it's not enough money for them to bother with. It's like where uh, Phil Ivey doesn't play in a one-five stud game when he walks in a room, right? There's opportunities there too, but they're different yeah. opportunities. I'm RJ Bell, Steve Fezzik, Brad Powers. This is the dream preview. Okay, so let's think. We've made clear, and let me say it one more time. We are going to give you exactly who we like. Why? Because it probably won't have much to do with what we end up putting into the contest. And we can kind of, I don't want to over explain it in case people, uh, some of the players ahead of us may not fully understand the concepts. And again, Fez, I mean, you've taught me a lot about those meta concepts is something I, that I think instinctually makes sense, but I didn't understand the nuance the way that you do. So kudos there. And that was, uh, one of the, your super contest, you actually came from behind, right? In the, in the final week. Yeah. How many games back were you? I was only a half game. Oh, there you go. All right. So let's see how we did last week. Hi, I'm Rad Powers. I went one and two last week. Gave a little bit back to specifically Steve Fezzik. I was down 300 bucks, but still up $1,030 for the year. Hi, I'm Steve Fezzik. I went 1-0 last week, won $300. Amazingly, I'm still down (laughs) $2,520. I'm RJ. No bets last week. No losses. No wins. Ain't that the way it goes? (laughs) Can't lose if you don't bet, but you can't win if you don't bet. Showtime! Woo! All right, guys, so we're not doing best bets just because... Again, we don't want to in any way. And, you know, that's the one I, I kind of was talking about what pissed me off. And, the, you know, I didn't mind hardly any of the stuff. But people were saying, oh, you were trying to mislead us. It's like you're insane. Like the game they got confused by was Seattle and uh, KC last week, where I really believe I, I still haven't heard his name pronounced. I think it's McDo- McDonald, but it might be a variation. There's their best safety was uh was doubtful um earlier in the week for Seattle and their other safety was out and to me I thought oh my gosh you're going to your third and fourth safety but really you could make the case the fourth and fifth because they'd already lost their uh better safety or their big name safety earlier in the year Seattle and I thought wow I that worries me as time passed and come Saturday morning when we saw how it looked like, uh, and again, I'll say McDonald was going to play. It looked like he was going to play. And then, Fez, that was your favorite pick that wasn't one of our four, Seattle. And it was Maddie. We had a conference call. It was Maddie's favorite pick. So what am I going to do, right? I mean, I could have vetoed it. I mean, I do have final say in this. And, you know, that was our deal entering the contest. But all that said, I, I didn't have any game. The funny thing, I like Minnesota, so we would have won that. But, uh, you know, the other guy had Minnesota, so... I mean, I guess, you know, it would have been better to win, but I guess uh, we had Seattle, so it would have been a win out either way. So, you know, again, this is, is, it's all about half point. When you have to pick five games, especially, usually the first two or three are obvious. The, the real consternation comes with that fourth and fifth game because 
I don't, I mean, Fez, when's the last time you bet five NFL sides in a week? Well, I'll bet them, but not against the market numbers on Friday. I'll bet them on Monday and Tuesday after, and then the lines move. So all the time is the answer. Yeah. So if I said, don't bet any, I say, if I said this week, don't bet anything. And I'm not saying this week because it's week 17, but a typical week during the year, don't bet anything uh, during the week and come Sunday, how many sides are you going to bet? Two. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it may be three some weeks. Maybe, yeah. Two to three. So, and, and, and the irony is some of those are going to be because the line moves too much that day and you're buying back away from them. Right. I'll disagree with typically with one big line move and go against it. So listen, as I, we just had a kind of a Christmas lunch with Mackie and Sleepy and Brad and Faz and myself. And right before the pod, I guess day after Christmas lunch. And, you know, I told them, Hey, I've got a lot of faults, but I don't have this fault, whatever we were talking about. I certainly am imperfect, but we've made it, it is a company commitment. It is like one of those rules you can't break, which is the the customer, the listener, whatever the customer, you guys aren't paying us, but we treat you like someone that we have a customer relationship with because we want to do right by you. So I can promise you, I might get on Fez too much sometimes, some people think. I might not get on Fez enough, some people say. Who knows? I, I might have, uh, I might be very confident sometimes, maybe too confident, some would say. Sometimes I think I'm not confident enough, but that's my personal opinion. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is we will never, ever do wrong by you, ever. And if we can't do right by you, we'll tell you. So this week, what we're telling you is we can't do best bets because then if we don't put them on there, it's going to look funny to you. Even if you don't hear, you hear this, but you still think it's going to look funny. So we're just going to give our genuine leans and likes, but understand, because we can do right in that way, but understand the picks may not correlate. First game, the contest picks. Giants, Cowboys, line is six right now. Giants, Fez, you like the Giants. I do like the Giants. A lot going on, and this is going to... I'm going to discuss this game in depth because there's other games that it applies to. Um, my basic strategy, when I got a team, a playoff team, like the Cowboys are, that's locked in their playoff position, they're the number four seed, nothing's going to change that. I, When that team goes on the road, I got to... So we're certain of that. They're locked, locked in the into number four. RJ, I can tell you, I want no part of that team. I don't care what the coach says. I don't care what the owner says. Oh, we're going to play this to win. We want to keep our momentum going. For me, it is bet against Dallas or pass the game almost always. And so because of that, I do like the New York Giants. I know. So let's start here. What does your power rating say? Power ratings? Because my question is going to be, as you figured the number out, my question is going to be, how do we quantify this motivational edge? Yeah. Right? So So let me start with the power rating. So I have the Cowboys four points better on a neutral site. Okay, so under this theory, Dallas should be minus one. Yes. And right now, Giants are six. Correct. So there's so, been a seven-point motivational adjustment already. Now, that looks enormous. But I got to be honest, on a lot of these games, I don't even look at my power ratings because the motivational distance from the power rating can be 10-plus points. But how do we know what it – meaning if this line was eight and a half, would you like it? It's a great question. I don't know. 
because because it feels like you're being directional again. Yeah, I'm 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 doing a sweeping basic strategy that in general the lines never seem to for me to adjust enough against a playoff team that has nothing to play for from my past experience. Isn't some of this line saying that the, there's a good possibility the Cowboys rest some players? Isn't that priced into it right now, even though it hasn't been officially announced? Absolutely, and a probability that at some point these starters are going to come out of the game for Dallas. So where I'm going here, I want to talk a little, about, little bit about derivative betting. I know we're jumping ahead, but I don't think we've got this answer. And I know you like to dodge questions that you don't have the answer to. And I don't have the answer. So that to me, that's problematic. If you would have said, if we would have played guess the lines, Bill Simmons style, before you saw this line, what number would you have made? The lines right where I, I believe I made it. I, I, I send you my lines and gosh, I should, I don't have them in front of me, RJ. Okay. So, but you think you had around six. So I'm confused. Yeah. If the line should be around six, why are you laying 110? Because I'm sending you the, when I'm sending you the lines, it's what I feel that the, the market should be, not what I personally would make it on. Well, why would I care what, well, what the market should be? So it's the difference between a bookmaking line and a batter's line. I send you a bookmaking line. What, why would I want a bookmaking line? The market's the bookmaking line. Yeah. So what's your batter's line in this game? My batter's line. Now you're going to say eight. Well, (laughs) would it have been eight? It would have been seven. Okay. So, boy, it doesn't seem like there's much of an edge here. No, there isn't. So let me talk about how to get an edge, if I may. All right. Okay. I think that week 17 is is tremendous for derivative betting because what, when I talk about derivative betting, let me talk about first half betting. Let me talk about quarter betting. The line on this game is Giants minus six. So what will the first half line be on this game? May well open up Giants minus three and a half. However, I could make the case, I think Dallas is going to play their starters I don't know if they're going to play them a quarter, play them a half, or some other starters, and they're going to empty the bench in the so second do you have, half. So have you read anything along these lines? Not at just all. Just guessing. I'm We're taping guessing. on Wednesday. I'm just guessing, but it's what I've, I've seen this movie before, RJ, and I could make the case for the first half line in this game should be closer to pick, and the second half line should be more like the Giants, minus six, minus six and a half. Now, I think for teams that have a buy, that they may play their starters some, that makes a ton of sense. To me, Dallas literally will be playing about seven. I don't know. They could even be the Saturday game, right? They could be playing six days ahead. So I don't think we can know that before the game because they won't know all the matchups and it's all TV is what drives most of this, right? Uh, when it comes to who's playing on Saturday afternoon or whatever, the famous Houston spot. So <laughs> the Texans, they might be back there. To me, I think Dallas either plays their starters or very much likely doesn't play them at all. I mean, why, if you got to play next week, why would you bring your starters out at all when you just had a must win or not a must win game, but a high intensity game last week? I agree. And think about what happened. But then that completely goes against it. The first half should be pick them. Well, Dallas has already come out and said, we're going to play like to to, to win this game. So because of that. So now we do have information is what we're saying. That was early information though. So and do we have anything that, that, that contradicts it? Not yet. So you're just guessing. You're I'm saying, just guessing. I don't believe them. So I'm going to guess they're going to split the baby in half and play their starters. But it doesn't make sense. The very act of having to put on the shoulder pads, the very act of having to warm up, the very act of taking any snaps, that's probably a significant chunk of the overall effort. Like if you sit a player, they're, they don't, they can, don't have to worry about getting up early. They're not worried about the game plan. It's like a bye week for them. Whereas if you make them play half the game, you might think, oh, it's only half of the energy expenditure. I'd make the case. And again, I've never been an NFL player. 
I'd make the case that's going to be 75% of the end. I guess what I'm saying is if you play, if you don't play the game at all, I think you've spent 0% of the energy you would if you played the game. If you play half the game, I think you're spending 75% of the energy. Does that make sense to you, Brian? It does. So I think there's some spots where this derivative concept applies. I just, to me, and again, obviously the clapper isn't necessarily a brilliant coach by most accounts, but it doesn't, to me, you either play your guys or you don't play your guys. Well, that makes logical sense, but I can tell you, I anticipate we'll probably see Elliot play a quarter. I, I got it. As you're saying, this is yeah. what you anticipate. But I don't know. I, I don't no, know. You, you don't, not only don't you know, you have no logic to what you're saying. It passed, Zero. Pa- no, past experience. When? I mean, I, past experience with teams playing the next week. No, in week 17. The week no, ex- I'm yeah. saying in week 17, yeah. they're locked in the playoffs playing next week. For whatever Boy, reason. Well, I haven't seen that. Really? Have you, Brad? Did they play guys half? No, I see a lot of times they sit out. I do, I totally disagree. And you see that all the time with the split lines. All the time a game like this winds up being a completely wacky first half line versus a game line for, for the very reasons of outlined. So now you're saying the market will adjust for what you're saying. Eventually the betters will adjust. The openers will, will be wrong, but the closers will be right. What do you like in this game, Brad? I lean towards the Giants. Can't like them because, I mean, let's face it, if the game meant something... You'd have what the line closer to pick them fest. So I think a, a lot of this is already priced into the current line. I will say, if a game doesn't mean much, Dallas is the type of team you do want to fade. And where do you see that in the preseason? Jason Garrett's the worst preseason coach in football. So when the games don't mean much, Dallas doesn't put much effort whatsoever. And on top of that, Dallas last week very misleading win. It fell right on the number as far as the close. They're favored by seven. One by seven over Tampa Bay. Shouldn't have won by seven. Outgained by 150 yards last week. I think you're getting slight value there. And plus, the Giants really haven't given up on the season. They're 5-1-1 one, and one against the number of the last seven games. Right there, tooth and nail in the game against the Colts last week. Probably Eli Manning's final game in his home stadium. Well, I, I'm not sure that's the case anymore. Really? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd bet even money Eli's back right now. Wow. That, well, that's a different subject. Highest QBR of the week last week. <laughs> No, I mean, it's true. I know. I had I the know. best QBR last week. So, <laughs> again, the, the, the thing is, if he kept him last year, if you didn't draft a quarterback last year, he certainly has exceeded expectations this year, right? Yeah. So how do you get rid of him? That's true. I mean, I don't know, right? By the way, let's back up. Preseason as a proxy for meaningless games. I never thought of that. Where did that come from? I just was thinking about it, to be honest. That's interesting, yeah. isn't it, Fez? Yeah, week 17 has often been compared in terms of betting to preseason. You've never done it. We've done stuff for six years. You've never said it one time. Well, I should have because I, I'm aware I'm aware of it, that there's very mm. big and similarities. Only caught, it, so you're holding back? No, just not able to <laughs> it's just, effectively uh, we've communicate. Done like, we've done like a thousand hours of radio and podcasts. You've never said that. Brad says it. You go, oh, yeah, well, that's obvious. Well, it's only it? a week 17. Brad, here's what I'm doing for you. believe him yeah i know i did good when rj makes a note i, I, I mean it was even though was i'm int- talking i always every time I'm like yeah RJ's I, it note. was an interesting concept right it really is here's why i actually listen guys we got to make a rule college football nfl you guys are the in my opinion the best vegas power ratings in each of the sports fez and power in nfl and brad in college to me 
anytime we're talking about these big factors that are two, three, four points, we got to come into the game with the power ratings. And then we got to come in quantifying the factor because just directionally, I'll tell you this, if this line was three and a half, I wouldn't have, would you have like looked and go, oh my God, I can't believe it. It'd be like, wow, saying the Giants are better than Dallas. That wouldn't be crazy. And if this line was A, it'd be like, wow, they don't think Dallas is playing. Like, what I'm saying is we don't, like, we're usually fighting over half points. And now this thing could be this wide range based on the subjectivity of how hard a team's going to play. So I don't think that's, in fact, I know that's not the way to win. We've got to try to quantify this stuff. So what you're saying, Fez, is you think this line should be around seven. You think that that means Dallas should be one. So you're saying you think the motivational, which is twofold, the players playing, maybe not playing as hard. And then who's going to play? So the motivation is how hard they play and who they play, right? Yes. You're saying you think that's worth about eight points. Yes. And where did that number come from? Just a gut feeling. Hmm. Any closing thoughts? Chiefs, Raiders, right now, Chiefs, 13 and a half. Faz, you lean Kansas City. Yeah, and it's almost a like, RJ. I hate laying 13 and a half, but I got to tell you, I think it's one of the worst spots for an NFL team all year long, the Oakland Raiders. And why is it such a bad spot? Because last week was such a good spot. We talked about all the reasons that we liked Oakland last, probably last home game in Oakland, the Pro Bowl snub, uh, revenge from an earlier loss where they should have beaten Denver. At the end of the game, Gruden, actually in the post-game interview, says it's good to end the year with the win. I don't <laughs> how bizarre a quote is that? You got a game left for them to go to Arrowhead. And I know they'd love to ups, up, upset the apple cart, knock Kansas City out of the number one seed. But I really got to question how motivated Oakland is to go to Kansas City. And I know Kansas City is going to be very eager to wrap up the number one seed here. I'm going to go ahead and upgrade like Kansas City. Okay, so one thing the NFL has done is taken away some correlated bets is a game like Kansas City, which could, uh, if if Kansas City somehow loses, the Chargers game is meaningless. No, oh, Kansas I'm sorry, City, if, yeah. if Kansas City wins, the Chargers game is meaningless. Correct. And they have those teams playing at the same time. Like whenever there's a correlation, they're playing at the same time. But I still think there's some correlations, meaning let's think about the times that the Chiefs cover, for example, is if the Chiefs cover, there's going to be times they're up 10 and they score with eight minutes left and they cover winning by seven. Or other times they're going to be up 27 entering the fourth quarter. It seems like there's a percentage of times the Chiefs are going to have a big enough lead somewhere in the second half, but it's not the very end of the game. That is going to do two things. One, it's going to dis, disincur, disencourage. That's not the right way to say, right? It's going to, uh, discourage. Lo- discourage. There we go. Discourage or lower the motivation of the Chargers, right? If they look up at the scoreboard and Casey's up 27, what, how hard are they playing at that point? And how hard should they play? So it's a, it's a case of one team is scoreboard watching the Chargers. Keep an eye on that Kansas City game. Kansas City, like I said, is up 28 points. Maybe we don't even play our starters in the fourth quarter, but there's no reason Kansas City should watch the scoreboard at all because all they got to do is take care of their business and they're the number one seed. Yeah, but it but it does bring up a point. If somehow, some way the Chargers were losing big, 
I mean, does Kansas City become less motivated? I'll tell you what, I don't think so. If I'm a thirteen, they shouldn't be as motivated. But if I'm a thirteen half point favorite, I want to take care of my business. I don't even want to look at the score with the Chargers. So it's again Fez figuring what he would do. Yeah. Like, do, you, do you disagree though? I, no, I know. I, no, I kind of do. I, I think if the Chargers, well, let's think of the extreme case. If the Chargers forfeited the game. That is the extreme case. And well, I agree what I'm with saying you. Is yeah. That's an extreme, that, but that's the same thing. Hey, I want to take care of business. Yeah, but I don't see any scenario that the Chargers are going to be down 20 points and Kansas City is going to say, oh, okay, the Chargers are going to lose. It's mean? so they- unlikely. Yeah, you're probably right. Because even because even if it's 17, a team can come back. Yeah. You know, I came back from 16 in the second half against the Steelers. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, that game, I, right. you're right. You're right. But here's the other side of it. Or there's a couple other sides. If the Chiefs are up 20 with 10 minutes left, I mean, they got the win pretty much. Do do they have less reason for margin here? Yes, and maybe we should. Start. So how do you how do you let's quantify that? Yes, and what? How so? Because Kansas City just has to win. They don't care at all about margin. They want to keep everybody healthy. So if Casey gets up twenty, all of a sudden Tyreek Hill is who's banged up. Probably is not going to get the ball thrown to him. Kelsey's not going to get the ball thrown to him as much, and they're going to rely on just ground and pound and get out of dodge. And because of that. And there might be a celebration feeling that you, right. you see on the sidelines where people's walking around high five, like the coach, like who's coaching this game out it's there. It's a great point. So maybe part of our bet should be on the first half on Kansas City because we know we're going to absolutely get the Chiefs full effort in the first half. So that's interesting. If there's any scoreboard watching, I think that sometimes the first half is going to be better. So let's look at the, or right now at the Charger game, just broadly. So the theory is if you like the Chargers, like it in the first half again. Absolutely. Because there's no, they're going to be motivated in the first half no matter what. There's a chance they're going to be demoralized in the second if Casey's winning big. And the Chargers have no reason to look at the scoreboard until the second half and they won't be distracted in the Well, first it's half. not that they won't look. It's, it's that no score is going to seem extreme enough yes. early. Even if it's 14 nothing, there might be a, ugh. But, you know, it's the NFL. Yes, it's a great point. So do we, though, still have some correlation saying that a certain, let's just say for the sake of argument, I like Kansas City. So that means I'd probably like the Chargers opponent thinking there's some percentage of the time that's significant that the Chiefs, if they cover 13 and a half, if they cover 13 and a half, will be winning by enough that it's going to demoralize the Chargers and thus the Chargers opponent gain if Kansas City wins, there's a correlation to the Chargers not covering. Yes. And I think the optimal way to play this correlation, if you, you can get it in, is to play Kansas City in the first half parlayed against the Chargers for the game. So the theory is first half means they come out to a big lead. And if they come out to a big lead, it hurt. Okay. So all the things that are concerning us about Kansas City late, not caring about margin, all that we get rid of. And the times we really think there's a correlation is when Kansas City has a, gets out to a nice lead early. Yeah. And thus we cover the first half. And the Chargers have plenty now, how of many time. Books are gonna, how many books are going to let you do that? You know, I think a whole lot of them. Because there, there's no reason for they, They're totally different games and the, their systems won't be programmed to not take that parlay. So when you say something this sharp, can you feel it, how different it is with your typical BS? 
Maybe maybe typical is unfair. BS with your with your occasional with your occasional BS. There you go. I, I mean, do you feel different? Because I, I could feel see good your chest. About- your chest was puffing out. Did you feel yeah. it? He's like, oh, I got something here. Well, I'm. But cons- well, why don't you only say it when you feel that way? Well, now I feel it, <laughs> and I feel it strongly. He felt like a brain surgeon. That was good. I mean, we we only play in dreams once, but I would have gave you that one. So that makes a ton of sense. If you can get it down, a little special here is, as you said, KC first half, and then the opponent of the Chargers for the game, two-teamer. Yes, and alternatively, if you don't want to play this parlay, you can just wait for. So here he is. So he always finds a no, way to step a, on his good point. No, this is this is an equal. Not maybe not equally as good, but it's good. If Kansas City is murdering them, then I think you got to look to bet against the Chargers at halftime or live wagering. Yeah, we know everyone's just live wagering like crazy. I know it. All right, so <laughs> one other thought in this game: How much of a factor is the MVP with Mahomes? So right now. And I haven't checked updated odds. It seems like it's Mahomes or Breeze. And then there's talk. Well, maybe Andrew Luck should be in it. But to me, do they do they throw more? In the, let's say they're up 20. And remember, they have a buy. If Kansas City didn't have a buy and it's a must, like, you know, let's say Pittsburgh gets out to a really big lead. right? They won't have a buy. I'd be much more inclined to think they might rest some guys in the fourth quarter, really take the air out of the ball. KC, are we sure they don't want a whole game because they're going to have a bye anyway, especially considering if Mahomes throws for five touchdowns, it almost locks up the MVP. I think he's going to win it anyways. The last time I saw he was minus 170. If he has a solid Jesus Christ, half, so minus 170 implies what? If he has a solid... Minus 170 implies what? Implies uh, 63%. So when if I say there's a 63% chance of X, you're going to say, oh, well, yeah, that's a done deal. Well, if he has a solid first half already. Oh, come on. Why do, why do you do that? If he, has, if he has a 63% chance. What's a solid first half? Well, it's more than 60. The, the 63% I gave you is, is wrong because it doesn't build in the VIG on, on the bet. So he is about a 70% chance. Mm. Even so, right? 70% means about one out of three times you don't win. So it, if we're assuming, I mean, the thing I'm objecting to is you acting like a minus 170 favorite is it's is a, a done, done deal. deal. And it's not a like, done why deal. Why do you do that? Well, though? because I think I think that the reason that he wouldn't win is if he has a bad first half. <laughs> who how, who said that's the way to think though? Like you think. Like what happens if they're up 20 nothing and he had no touchdowns? Uh, it, what happens if he throws two touchdowns and two interceptions? Like it's like it's not going to people aren't going to it's going to be what's the final score? And how many touchdowns did he have? Did he, you know, does the highlights show a bunch of, you know, Mahomes making these wild throws, right? And maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but to act like you're sure that I'm wrong, like it's because it's minus 170 just makes no sense. Like like if I was listening to you, I'd be like, if that's the only thing I heard from you, it'd be like, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I guess I feel that the minus 170 is also a a really good bet right now. Oh, so the market's wrong. Okay. Boy, Tua, minus 1,000, week 11 college football. Sure great thing point. to win the Heisman. That's a great point. One game later and he was the underdog. That is, that's true. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. You got to make a New Year's resolution. When you don't try to go a level beyond, or not even a level beyond, when you just stick to what you feel confident about, like you couldn't be confident of what you just said. No, I'm not confident. So why say, I should, why not say, you know, let's think about this. 
Like you always act like you have the answers. And it's like, I think you're honestly doing a disservice to the listener. I think you're honestly doing a disservice to the listener because they, it's going to be hard for them to tell when you are confident and when you're thinking. Now, if you would have said, you know, let's think about this. Does Mahomes have this thing locked up? Well, it's only minus 170. Yeah, but I think it should be 230. Well, it's still not locked up, is it? No, you're right. But I tell you, maybe if he just has a good first, like we could have talked this through without you coming out at the front with some conclusion that ultimately makes no sense. And my conclusion made no sense. I've been exposed as being incorrect on it. Yeah, but I'm asking why you do that. Cause you, you wouldn't have been willing to bet. Like you are a master at betting when you feel sure and not betting when you don't. So like you've got what percentage of the, uh, I'm guessing you have more than half of the gut feelings you have or ideas you have about betting in an NFL week you don't execute on, right? As you're looking at the cards, you're thinking, well, maybe this quarterback should be under rushing yards because of this, right? And then you think about it, you think about it, you look at the number, decide not to bet it, right? Correct. So you've got these ideas. If you wrote everyone down, how many of them are you betting? Probably 45%. All right, so about half. So that means there's something that tells you I'm confident, and I'm guessing of the ones you bet, but half of them, you, the first instinct you have of it is, oh my God, it's a good bet. And you just, it's a straight line. You just bet it, right? Yeah, it's so good. There's, I, I can't envision there being any scenario that exactly. changed my mind. And then about half your bets are first thought is, yeah. Then you ponder and you decide, yeah. I mean, correct. I'll okay. look up some more data, check with some other source and the like. There might have been something I've been missing. Exactly. Right. So that's it. When you have one of the 25%, like, oh, this is it. Come at it with a, hey, let me listen up, everybody. I won two super contests. Listen up, everybody. I have a mansion. Oh, wait, let's just say it. I am Elma J. Foot, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. And then the other time, say, hey, guys, come up to the campfire. I got an idea that might be a good one. Like, there should be a different delivery, don't you think, Brad? Absolutely. New Year's resolution? It, it is a New Year's resolution, I might add. You have made a case for why Kansas City might be an even better bet with this extra incentive to get Mahomes some more touchdowns. It's already locked up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next game. (laughs) Saints. Oh, well, this is perfect, right? Same concept. Saints, Panthers. I'm seeing eight and a half on this one. Does Drew Brees. Now we have another buy. We're playing for nothing at this point, but we've got a buy which means does Sean Payton want to get his guys reps? And number two, how much does he care? Drew Brees has never won an MVP. So let's start there. Do you, other than the fact that Brees might have no chance, according to your theory, do you think the MVP affects the Saints' desire to play Brees, the throw, whatever? I'm really not sure. It's complex. It <laughs> it certainly could result in him playing more for a half, for instance, versus not playing at all. Now this, a half makes sense to me here because a half here is, hey, we're going to have a week off anyway. You know, the, even a, a possession in the third quarter to get keep the rhythm of the halftime then coming out. You see that in the third preseason game. Yep. Oftentimes they want them to have that that rest at halftime. And, and again, obviously it's been a whole season, 
what does this line tell you? So what is the normal power? Let's get back to our, our first principles. What's our power rating? So I've got New Orleans 13 and a half points better right now on a neutral. Now that's adjusting for the fact once it gets past seven that that you diminish the each point. It has not made an adjustment. All right, so the, what would you say your power ratings line is? So my, my pure power ratings line... Let me walk you through it, if I will. Make the sausage. Yes. So they're 13 and a half points apart. We give New Orleans three and a half for home field. That would say 17. Whenever you have a spread that large, a 17, you would dial it back about two and a half points. Why two and a half? Because the fourth quarter is more close to a pick. No, no, line. I understand why you dial it back, but why two and a half? So I take 17 mm-hmm. and I divide by four. All mm-hmm. right. So I get that, that the line through three quarters should be about 13. And then in the fourth quarter, I'd only make New Orleans just a modest favorite in the fourth quarter. Okay, so what you're saying is you don't take away a quarter of the points above seven. You take away a quarter of all the points? I usually take away most of the fourth quarter differential. Now I you're saying it. most. I, I, yeah, I usually give the, I usually like on a double digit favorite, I usually give them like a half, I make them like a half point favorite in the fourth quarter. Okay. Now, does this apply to like an eight point fate? Like, where does this start applying? At right around 10, double digits. Okay. So let's use an example. Let's say that it's supposed to be 10. Mm-hmm. All right. Or so if I, well, that's interesting then. Under your theory, if it's supposed to be 10, I'm going to go down to 7.5. But if the line's nine, it's going to stay nine. Well, if I, if I had a 10 point favorite, there'll be a six point favorite in the first half. And then instead of being a two in the third quarter and a two in the fourth quarter, I'll make the fourth quarter a one and I'll usually dial down to nine to nine and a half. So in that case, you only take off a point or a half point. So it's not three quarters. It's very modest. It's a very modest adjustment. Now, are you purposely trying not to tell us? No. Or you're actually trying to explain it? No, it's just complicated. The bigger the spread is, the more the adjustment is. That's why I thought what might be an approach is look at the difference above a touchdown or maybe the difference above nine or some some number, and then take away maybe a third of that. So let's say it's 17, and let's just say, okay, now we're going to say, well, there's seven points uh, from 10 to 17. I'm going to take away a third of that, so it's two and a half, and now I'm going to go down to 14 and a half. So I think the way to kind of solve the problem of not a 10-point line would actually, or a 10-point difference of power ratings would actually calculate to be lower than a nine point difference would be only adjust on the numbers above a certain threshold. Correct. But each addition, correct. It's not what you said though, but it's not linear because like if you have an eight point favorite, okay, Mm -hmm. I might make it 7.9. Okay. okay? If I have a nine point favorite, now all of a sudden I'm going to dial back a little bit more for each point higher. I go up. Exactly. Yeah. That would be the case if we said, okay, above seven. So you're saying the percentage of the overage that you take away would change as the numbers go up. Correct. Okay. Correct. So a 17-point favorite, now 10 points above 7. I'm not taking 10% of that extra 10 points off. I'm taking more like, in an aggregate, like 23% off of that. Okay. So when the book comes out, <laughs> we'll try <laughs> to explain all that. Now, this line, your line what is what with the Saints, based on all those calculations? The pure powering line yes. would be 14 and a half. Okay. So now, how do we quantify the motivational uh, decrease or, or disadvantage for the Saints? Yeah, it's complicated. So the Saints are home, so it's less likely they completely mail this game in. Like the Cowboys on the road are more likely to have less of a motivation. But I really don't know how long these Saints starters are going to play. There's a whole lot of uncertainty. So you can't even pick this game. 
I do not did not even pick this game. Brad, you like the total. Yeah, I'm going to go with the under. Uh, I think we're getting a little bit of value there. And I think it's also important to note that y- your buddy, uh, Taylor Heineke, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he just got placed on IR. He's I know. Gone. So who's quarterback? Kyle Allen, undrafted quarterback, rookie out of Houston. Terrible quarterback to my head. So whatever you downgrade. At, at Houston. He at was terrible. Houston. Oh, he was very average. Now, was he on the practice squad? He, he how actually much got, does he know the playbook? He got benched at Houston. How much does he know the playbook here? Mm. So we got to look. He's, he's, he's been with them. He's, he's been he was with, with them okay. in the spring. He played in preseason for them. All right. So, wow. But he got cut and re-signed. When was he re-signed? Just when um, they when Cam got just for a couple weeks. Okay. So, hmm. the other factor here is the idea that teams who have a losing streak ending the year often play hard to end the year. Because right now, if I'm not mistaken, what's the Panthers losing streak? Seven. It's seven straight. They were six and two. (laughs) Yeah. So think about that a second. The idea that you could, if you win this game, you beat your division rivals. It's a meaningless game and all that to them. And actually the Panthers, looking at my notes, would be the first team ever to go from six and two to six and ten. Wow. So, uh, and the NFL expanded to 16 games in 78. Steelers went 14 and two in 78, by the way. Won the Super Bowl. Bradshaw, Harris, Blunt, Green, Lambert, Ham. Was Donnie Shell there? Th- yeah, I think Donnie Shell. Webster, one of the great centers. John Kolb, remember him? Kenny Anderson. Benji Cunningham. Kenny Anderson and company did not go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Swan Starworth. Yeah. Jeez. What a team. All right. <laughs> Big Pete Johnson. No, no. Mean Joe Green. L.C. Greenwood. R.G. Griffin. <laughs> I tell you this. It's funny about the Steelers. When the history books are written like 100 years from now, the two Steelers that will still be discussed, Mean Joe Green, who was just a like a two generations ahead. He was just so big. And he's like, like Mean Joe could play today. Like Jack Lambert. They'd pick him up. Like some of these guards would pick him up and put him over his head and set him on the bench. Now, listen, give Lambert credit for what he was 215, 6'2, 215. But Mean Joe was like 280. And the other one, Mel Blunt. That's the two like all timers on that team, which I like. Defense, not as well known. So I think the Panthers have to want to win here. They don't want, think about the difference in the offseason between ending up with eight straight losses versus beating the Saints the last game. It just feels like it's emblematic. So in history, and in, in, in the trend tells us that teams on losing streaks at the end of the year try to play hard. The question is, can they play hard with Allen? Because we got a ton of questions about how could you bet with Heineke. But actually, Carolina was optimistic about him. I can't imagine they're optimistic about Allen. And, and should have been optimistic. Carolina didn't have a problem moving the football. Had 436 yards last week against Atlanta. It was the red zone where they came up short. Zero Had four trips where they came up with exactly zero points inside Atlanta's 20. And remember, Heineke got hurt at the end of the first half. 
missed. But like, he still played. Yeah, he missed like one play, and then they, no, I think. And look, I mean, I just read about. I think he missed nine plays. Nine plays. I'm sorry, and but they still chose to bring him in wounded than to have Kyle Allen in there. Mm, that's, that's a good point. A problem. That's a good. But we said the same thing about the 49ers. Mullins, yeah. Mullins. And then Mullins looks like Joe Montana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly looks good. Let me write that down. Last question. Fez, what was the total in the Monday night game when these two played? Drawn a blank. I think like 50. Because what I'm trying to yeah, put, look, pull that up. Because what I'm trying to figure out is it seems like there's massive adjustments when it comes, or there's massive differences when it comes to the offensive firepower of these teams, meaning it was Cam, and we didn't know he was hurt as bad as he was. There's 50. All right, so there's there's a five-point adjustment, and we don't know how much Breeze is going to play. We don't know if he plays. How can I mean, they, they're not going to want him taking many hits. right? If it's third and 14, are they going to have a seven-step drop, and or, is it, or are they going to throw screen passes even if he does play? And we know... That this, this Allen, now maybe Allen throws some pick sixes, but boy, the, 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 Brad's instincts here feels pretty good. Yeah. The one difference of the, obviously is the venue. You got a wintertime game in Carolina at night versus inside in the dome in perfect conditions. And I mean, the Saints have certainly scored a lot more points at home because all that talk about the Saints and their offense, at least against Pittsburgh, it looked like it was about home and away for them because they've scored. How many did they score against the Steelers? 31. So they had scored over 40 in the prior four home games yeah. and then over 30 this game. Doesn't sound like a pro, you know, last five home games. If you're, uh, <laughs> if you're averaging 38 points a game, it's kind of hard to say there's a problem. Yes. And that Carolina defense that really had stood up the last really four weeks playing well did not play well at all last week. And they look like a gas unit that had just had four all in efforts and had come up short in all those games. Patriots 13 and a half over the Jets. Fez, he's not the Fuzz <laughs> or the Fonz. Fez, do you like, you like the total here? Yeah, I really like the under here, RJ. New England typically come week 16 and 17, they look into keep people healthy and they run the ball more. And we saw that last week 47 runs against Buffalo, only 25 passes. Gronk does not look healthy at all. I don't think they utilize him much. I think they use the same game plan that they just used against Buffalo to just ground and pound and get the win. And what do we know about the Jets on their on offense? Way worse on the road since week one at Detroit. Remember, the, uh, supposedly they decoded the plays that were going to be called and they knew what was coming and it was the perfect storm and they did great against Detroit. But since then, they're only averaging 16 and a half points per game on the road. Right. Yeah, I'm going to pass on this one. Uh, I am worried about the Jets' home away splits. And was that kind of a deflator last week? Really gave a great effort for Todd Bowles, who's likely out, but came up short, blew a 15-point lead. Can, can you get back up, or was that their final hurrah for the, the rest of the season? Pats have been much better at home this year, significantly better, outgaining their opponents by 107 yards per game at home, getting outgained by 43 yards per game on the road. So Patriots, night and day, when it comes to their home away splits. And I got to mention the stat. I mean, obviously they're a big favorite here, but Belichick 25 and 0 straight up at home against young quarterbacks under the age of 25. Hmm. That's a good one. I had that last week. All right. So here's the question. Actually, the Bills had a, has, have a much better rushing defense than they do passing defense. 
the fact that the Pats ran against them doesn't feel schematic. It doesn't feel like, hey, we're going to find your weakness. It felt like we think we can win running and we'd rather win running. And to me, I think there's two elements to this. Brady, I mean, we've been talking about this fest for as long as you never mentioned the proxy of preseason and <laughs> meaningless games late. We've been talking about it from day one, which is Brady later in these years. The one exception of him dropping off was the year he was suspended for four games. Where so, he did did not drop off. Yeah, the one exception to him dropping right. off was the time when he was um, suspended game one through four. So really game 16 was game 12. My sense is even with the bye, Hey, let's not, it's not so much Brady's arm. Like he's going to get tired. Maybe it is, but I think it's, Hey, it's a low impact game. If we can win running the ball, I have no doubt if it's tied at halftime, they, you know, they're throwing the ball more, but the theory is that they can win without it. And I'll tell you this. I think there's a mentality to it. It's a, if they win in the playoffs, it's not going to be in shootouts. If the Pats win in the playoffs against Kansas City, let's say, in Kansas City, what, what kind of game would you envision that being? A shootout? Or somehow the Pats play like, you know, the Bear, you know, not the 85 Bears so much because they you know how great their defense was, but like the Ravens played, you know, when they won with, with Trent Dofer. You know, I'm struggling with that because I can't envision that game not being a shootout is the problem. Well, I'm if having. it's a shootout, then how's the Pats? I mean, with the lack of playmakers, how do they compete? Well, probably means I have to pay you because you've got Kansas City to I go like, to the Super Bowl and I've got New England. I like that position right now, but <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'm happy you mentioned it. But what I was saying, we got 500 on that one, if I recall. Yes, we do. Now, the to me, I think there's another element to this, which is I think Belichick's going to have to scheme his way into big plays, which means he has no desire to show that now. So this is almost like one of these vanilla games in the in the SEC, the Bama is playing a team, and again, the line's not even two touchdowns here, but the idea of Bama is not going to show much because they can be, you know, whatever team they're playing. And then next week you're going to see the tricks and the plays. I, I don't think whatever they're going to do post Josh Gordon, I don't think Belichick has any desire to show it right now. Agreed. And you know, what's interesting about the Buffalo game is that I don't remember how many times in a row they ran, but I know at one point the announcer said, Oh, that's nine straight rushes for new England against Buffalo. And I know when they played the first time, new England wasn't running the ball at all. They were throwing against Buffalo. And I really think the fact, like you mentioned that they didn't have any schematic advantage, just running the ball to do that against Buffalo, I think they're going to do that here against Miami. Jets. Against the Jets. Excuse me. And they could do it against Miami too. Any closing thoughts on this one? Nope. Last question, Fez. Line opened up total 48 down to 44 and a half. Now, was that 48 out there just for a blink or, or was it out there a while? Gosh, with it, I'm embarrassed to say with it being Christmas week, RJ. Oh, here comes the no guy. days off. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrible. I, I did not. Open, I got at it. At, I, I got open Christmas present. I got at it at 46. I'm not sure if it disappeared absolutely immediately. Oh, wait. So you're talking about a line that's not available? Well, Brad, the, what do you think? Well, you voted against me on the college pod. Hmm. Ah, 50 bucks for the, we'll have to have, throw five. You know what? It's 50, not five. 
You know something? You know, 50's right. Let's make it 50. Well, I thought Brad was going to bring my 300. Oh, man. I owe you. I owe you. <laughs> All right. So we got 100 in the pot, baby. I think maybe a Final Four party that Monday or something. We'll have to get ready for that. <laughs> I have it at 46. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I like the under, though. I do. And obviously, the more, you know, obviously the early batters are seeing the same thing. Eagles, Redskins. Right now, Eagles, uh, six and a half, low extra juice, it looks like. Both passes. Fez, why don't you tell me what the key fact, let's not belabor this game if we don't have strong opinions. What do you think the key factors are? Home field advantage. I have Washington having one of the worst home field advantages, two points in the NFL. RJ, that might be too high in this game. All year long, it's been a truculent relationship between the players and the fans. <laughs> That's the famous Muhammad Ali line. When Howard Cosell says, you're very truculent, he goes, if that means great, I agree with you. So I can't remember what he said. So define truculent for some of our listeners. Well, rocky relationship between the two. They're, mm, interesting. Am I, am I correct in that? You, you know, I'm just, I'm going to let you do your thing. All, all right. So <laughs> bottom line is there's going to be more. Mackie, why don't you look up truculent and you can read the definition when you're ready. There's going to be, I'm confident, more Philly fans in the stadium than Washington fans. Philly travels well, and with all the problems that Philly that Washington has had getting home support, this is going to be a pro Eagles crowd in Washington. Now, listen, we go ahead. Truculent, eager or quick to argue or fight, aggressively defiant. Oh, okay, so. If it was a truculent relationship, it would have been between one party and the other. So you're saying the players were truculent with the coach? Or with the, the coach? fan, with the fans. The players were truculent with, with the, the fans. fans. Yeah, one of their cornerbacks was like, I'm tired of these fans booing us. I've had it with that. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll give it to him. Let's give it to him. All right. Um, we lost with the skins the last two weeks. What have we learned? Josh Johnson was better than we thought that he was. Okay, continue. That's it. I think that I think that that's the bit number one takeaway I have from Washington. I upgraded their power rating because um, I had I had at one point Washington the worst team in the NFL, and now I've got Washington seven points worse than average team, but certainly nowhere near as bad as Arizona. Brad, what's your thoughts on the game? Well, I think what you're seeing from Washington, AP still got a little bit of juice left him left in him, although we wouldn't have anticipated that coming into the season. Plus, Washington hasn't given up. I mean, they're playing extremely hard, I thought, on the defense side of the ball last couple of weeks. Now remember, they, they were alive until this week. So this is yeah. the classic dream crusher week. Excellent point there. And they cut one of their good defensive players. Everyone's like, we can't believe that they cut him. But apparently he was being truculent. <laughs> with the coach and to me it feels like Jay Groot it's it's one of those deals where you got a leader that might not have the confidence of the team but he's he's trying to kind of from his perspective cut out the cancers but again sometimes that's just a sign of a leader that doesn't have control mm. right so I got a feeling we might be snake bit we always say just because you lose twice doesn't mean that you uh, don't bet him the third game or bet against him or on them. I kind of feel like things are different. Washington played hard two weeks ago. They played hard last week against Tennessee on, you know, as a standalone game too. Now you got to wonder, is this the game that they give up because they have nothing to play for and all that truculence. 
and all that variance of Nick Foles, who was really good last week. And are we going to see the great Nick Foles, the good Nick Foles, or the not-so-good Foles? I'm not sure. So what is, if you had to care, if, if someone at 7-Eleven, let's say the, the big golf dispenser guy, asked you, Fez, what do you think of Nick Foles? What would you say? I don't know. You would say, I don't know? I don't know. He's extremely volatile from week to week. You're never sure what you're going to get out of him. Best backup quarterback in the NFL. What would you rank stack rank him if he was a starter? 25? 24? Sure. But some weeks he'll be like number seven and some weeks he'll be 30. So so you're saying he'd be 24? No, he's better than 24. I, I would say he's right in the middle right now. The way he's performing right now, this week, I'd put him right in the middle. And he's hot. He's he's a guy that just responds. So which means sometimes he's top five and then sometimes he's bottom quarter? Yes. Well, I'm going to question that. And I tell you, the more I spend time on the NFL, the more I realize very few people know what they're talking about. Because what I see is more of this directional stuff that, oh, I think the Giants have the edge, but it's like motivate. Well, how much is it worth? I don't know. I think this narrative about Nick Foles is up, he's down. And last year, if they had lost to Atlanta... All right, so let's look at this. So we're just going to go by QBR. We can debate is QBR a good number. I think by any of the publicly uh, or let's just say widely used numbers, it's better than passer rating. So let's look at the Atlanta game and say he had a QBR of 51. So that, that by definition, QBR is percentage better than. So he was right slightly above average. All right, that's not great. That's average. But still... If you're 50 the whole year, you're 16. Yes. All right. The next week against Minnesota, one of the best D's in the NFL last year, 94. Against New England, 86. Okay. Bright lights. That's what we all got excited about. Now, Fez's narrative, the uninformed narrative is, oh, earlier this year, oh, was it bad? Oh, my God, was it bad? It was bad. Okay. Well, the first game against Atlanta, he had a 26.2. That's pretty bad. Right? right in that quartile, you know, bottom quartile, right at the top of it. Then he played Tampa and he had a 79.8. And then he got benched. Then he came back and against the Rams had a 67. And against Houston, he had an 82. So wait a minute. <laughs> is we can say he played three playoff games. One was average. The Minnesota game was a 94%. And the New England game was an 88, one of the five best NF, uh, Super Bowl performances ever. I think it's fair to say by any quarterback, if not one of the top seven or eight for sure. Then he played a bad game to start the year against Atlanta, no doubt. And then he played an 80 and he got benched. Then he played a 67 at the Rams, which looked better than a 67. You can see how hard it is to get above that. And then he's an 82. So even if we count Atlanta from last year in the playoffs, it's one, two, three. Then it's four more. So there's seven games. So he has almost half a season. He's had one below average game, one average game. And every other game, either really good or great. Well, you're cherry picking when you started last year. 
No, I'm starting in the playoffs. Why would, wouldn't you start when he was? But what I'm in, saying is these are the last seven games. Sure, but if you go went back to the last nine games, he had the horrible game exactly. against Dallas. So the, but the question is he hadn't played. Fair enough. He, he also was so, ter- terrible in preseason this year as well. Oh, I mean, what does that even mean? So that matters now? Seriously? I think it does. Because every year there's quarterbacks that we never that never take a snap of a great preseason. That's, it, it's still a data point. You got to... I, I, how's this? If you have seven games and three, one of them's the Super Bowl, and 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 there's multiple playoff games, and there's two must-win games in a row. A little more important that, that than are the two most recent. Yeah. We're going to talk about preseason. Well, I mean, it makes no sense that we're going to talk preseason. Maybe I'm biased. I watched him; he was horrible in preseason. I watched him to start the season. I think, that, yeah, he played Atlanta and Tampa Bay, two lousy defenses, and he was an average quarterback. Well, a seven, he had one bad game. And first of all, Atlanta, when they weren't injured, that's was, a good point. That Atlanta wasn't bad back then, but it's eight, it's 80%. What I'm saying is this is lazy. It's, it's, I'm not sure I'm right, but I haven't heard anyone discuss this. Nobody. No, I'm not saying just this show. I'm saying I haven't heard anyone discussing how if you actually say, you know, Nick Foles didn't play all last year. Hey, it would be nice if he would have started faster. But he didn't. But once he got his groove going, he played as well as any quarterback in memory throughout a playoff run, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, to have two games, if you play three games, one's average, one's a 94, and one's an 88, that's about as good as you get. And then you look and say, this year he starts out with a bad game and then a well above average game. And then he comes back and wins two must win games right in a row in which he's. 67 and 82. Like, I don't know how to, I mean, I guess you could just do the QBR. So you can't just divide by games because if you pass more in one game or pass less than the other, it's going to be weighted differently. But if you take, you know, 51, 94, 88, 26, 79, 67, and 82 and divide. So, Mac, you do this for me. You ready? Write these numbers down. And we'll start with Atlanta. So 51. 94, 88, 26, 80, 67, 83. Just give me the mean on those numbers. And then I'm going to pull up the QBR for this year. I'm guessing, I'm guessing it's going to be the best QBR this year. And I would make a major guess the worst it's going to be would be third. So... Let's take a gander because because Breeze or I'm sorry. Yeah, Breeze and Mahomes, you know, have had really good years. 69.8. Okay, so 69.8 is the average. So let's call it 70. So this year, okay, so I'm actually looking. Big Ben has a 73 and he's the third best. So... So this is interesting. I'm not even sure if QBR considers a difficulty of opponent. In fact, I don't think it does, but I don't know enough to know for sure. Because it strikes me that when you're playing three playoff games and then you're playing the Rams in Houston, you know, it, obviously this is higher than an average quality of opponent. Yeah, it's a very high strength of schedule. And you can make the case, like you said, Atlanta and Tampa Bay were both playing much better early in the year. I got to ask you, RJ. This- so, so it'd be, so he would be right around fourth. Yes. So, so I gotta, you have the fourth best QBR in the NFL. Like who's discussing that? 
Nobody. And I got to ask you, now, what is going on with the Eagles? Obviously, Carson Wentz was injured. He was rushed back. He was not really ready to play, and he was ineffective his first three to four starts. Why would the Eagles, and having all this knowledge, why did they choose? Why did they do what they did with Marlins? go with Wentz. What did they do with Marlins? Yeah, San Francisco, same thing. You'd think these teams would know. But I don't think you can know. I think there's some things that happen in games. I mean, just the very fact, all these guys have the arm strength. They are, the, 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 the difference between an all pro and a second stringer, oftentimes it's hard to discern. If it weren't, then why would a, uh, a Blaine, um, what the hell is his name? Blaine Gaff, Gaff, Gabbert. Yeah, Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> like he was like a top 10 pick, right? I think he was picked 10th. So obviously they, they studied, they, they measured his pinky. They measured the circumference, circumference of his elbow. They watched every tape, every snap in college. They saw him throw. They, they asked him psychological tests, like he was going to become a Navy SEAL and they picked him and they were just playing wrong. Right. Blake Bortles. I mean, I, I just think there's something and and then Brady went in the sixth round. I just think there's certain things that you can't, and that makes the sport great, right? If it was just, you could do the, just put numbers in a spreadsheet, it'd be boring. It just strikes, and I'm not saying Foles is better than what, I'm not, I'm just saying this idea that, oh, he's just, remember when Foles was under, um, Kelly. under Chip Kelly with Philly, he had, do I remember right? 17 touchdowns and three interceptions. 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. That Monster. was season. Monster year. Yeah. I mean, so then, like, that sounds like a year anyone would take. But then somehow, you think? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just, who knows? Maybe he was, dep- I have no idea. Maybe he was depressed for two years and then he lost his, who knows? Maybe he was drinking. He, who knows? Who knows? And, you know, and, and the what I'm saying is what we're seeing now isn't the story. Hey, the guy's gotten lucky. There's been a bunch of yards after the catch. It's like he's playing. He's a top five performing quarterback. This year, like when you look at the quarterbacks, who's obviously playing better than him? I mean, Tom Brady does. Tom Brady's QBR this year. Brady's not playing better than him. I mean, is a 69. And the eye test, I got to tell you, making your point, when I watched that game against Houston, he won that game twice. He totally, they, they, the Eagles dominated the game. They had it won. They're up two scores. They fumble. That's not his fault. And somehow, by some miracle, Houston gets the lead. And here comes Foles. He takes a hit that knocks him out of the game. He has to go to the bench. They're like, oh, he's out of the game. He comes back out wounded. No problem. Right down the field. Winning. Score. And it seems like the, the Eagles are playing harder with him. Yeah, because it's it. And, and the narrative is like, oh, he did this last year. We believe he can do it this year. And to wrap, let me be clear. I'm not saying he's better than Wentz. I'm not saying he's the fifth best quarterback or third. I'm saying, why aren't we? I'm not hearing why these numbers are invalid from anybody because I'm not even hearing about the numbers. And I just can't get over the fact that I had the Eagles as a below average team with Wentz. And now all of a sudden, Nick Foles' backup comes in, and now I have them as an above average team. Really? So your initial adjustment for Wentz to Foles was what? I brought him down two points because Wentz wasn't healthy. And you've upgraded him more. How many points in the last two weeks? I've upgraded him two and a half points. So you think they're better? Okay. All right. Packers, Lions. Boy, I tell you, whatever we were wrong about last week, going two and three, 
Aaron Rodgers being motivated here. It felt like he, it was like we were, he was fighting for planet earth against the aliens, how hard he played <laughs> when they were down. Remember, if he doesn't come back, we don't have any chance this week in the super contest. Oh, there's always a chance. Well, it would have been a, one more game would have been much tougher. <laughs> so you're yes. telling me there's a chance. <laughs> so this game's eight. I mean, I really am like, as much as I thought, like, how does Aaron Rodgers do better? It feels like a game. He maybe we find out, you know, Saturday he's not going to play. I don't know. Like, what are you hearing? Well, he's oh, saying I got one game yeah. left in me. They they won. The players are talking. One game left in him. Like he's like a gas tank ready to empty out. <laughs> what happens if they would have made the playoffs? That's true. But I mean, all in, he's saying all the right things about him playing and playing hard this week. Players are. Well, I guess he wouldn't say. Why would he say that, right? If he's not playing hard, is what I'm saying. If he's not going to do what he's saying, why say it? I also think they got an opportunity. They'd finish three and one without McCarthy. That'd be the rubber stamp. Hey, it was McCarthy. Yeah, but the two and one feels like you you got the same narrative. It's like you're giving. It's almost like sitting on your record. You're get like two and one is pretty much. Hey, you kind of proved your point. <laughs> three and one proves it a little more, but two and two kind of makes it where you don't really have a point now, right? Like your point's not proven. Mm. I don't know. What do you think, Fess? You know, I focused on, I actually thought Aaron Rodgers was almost certain to play, and I thought that he would bring it, like Brad said. But I got to tell you, this Detroit Lions team, if ever there was a team that I think shot their wad, it was the Lions last week. So they're home against the Vikings. They played really hard on defense. They were up 9 nothing. Minnesota punted four times and had five yards. And Minnesota gets a touchdown at the end of the half, and then they complete a Hail Mary to end the first half. And literally, the air goes out of the balloon, and that Detroit Lion team just looked dead the entire second half. I can't see how they're going to get excited to go to Lambeau to end the year. When you say in general division games, there's less of a chance of laying down than non-division games? Yes. So in general, home teams lay down less, and division matchups have less laydowns? Yes. Okay. So a home team in division you figure is going to play almost always. Yes. Brad, you like green Bay. I do. And what I don't like is Detroit's offense averaging 15 points per game in their last nine games. I saw what Fez saw after that game. They were dead. I mean, they were a dead squirrel on the highway. I mean, even though the Vikings only had five yards at that point in the game, after that, Minnesota just trucked them in the second half. Minnesota ended up with 340 yards in the game. So not only the defense, the offense playing poorly all year, defense kind of laid down in the second half as well. And, and look, I'll go gut. From what I'm reading, Aaron Rodgers, I think he is going to play and play hard this week. I think you'd want to go uh, out with a win at home against a team that's beat you three straight times. Nevertheless, a Detroit team that's only won one time in Lambeau since 1992. Yeah, I just think if there's one team that's going to lay down here, it's Detroit, not Green Bay. You mentioned squirrels. <laughs> now, did you guys ever eat roadkill? No. Even if you're the one that killed it? No, never. You being honest? Yeah, I'm being that that honest. But, I've, I've had deer meat and stuff like that, but not uh, deer that I hit on the highway. <laughs> Now, did you ever eat squirrel that was shot b by a hunter? I've never had squirrel. Rabbit? I've had a rabbit. I've had squirrel. Boy, you're high You're a city slicker. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I've had alligator. Oh, but alligator was some. Ex you probably yeah. some exotic place in Florida eating it, right? No, no. Where'd you have it at? It was in like 
uh, Palatka, Florida. It's the poorest county in Florida. What were you doing down there? My grandma lives in that county. Okay, okay. Huh. I don't know. It made sense last week. Last week made sense when Aaron Rodgers didn't want the team to go 0-8 on the road. It's just, huh. Tad- Green button me. I was thinking about it. Let me look at the current market. Yeah. Yeah. I want, we need some action here. Yeah. Listen, I need that. Fact. Our action's Kill. real. Listen, yeah. when you're batting 300 a crack, yeah. you know, it's not a, we're not, and it's not a Sunday at the Dairy Queen now. <laughs> I mean, you, I, we can talk about it. 300 doesn't mean a lot, but tell you, you can have some fun with 300 bucks. Who are we kidding? <laughs> All right. So the, so the market is saying, hmm. Let's think about this. Eight minus 15. And we've got eight. Yeah. Nah. Texans, Jags, Texans, six and a half. Two passes here. So Thomas is out. In general, when they when Houston traded for him, you thought it was a big deal having a second receiver. Now they're back to not having one fast. Yeah. So now you can double Hopkins. They're all world number one wide receiver. So, um, you know, that, that certainly hurts their offense. So fast, give me a few things on this game. I'm trying to draw it out of you somehow. Jacksonville back to Blake Bortles. So they bring in Kessler. So he's certainly going to start this week. Yeah. Yeah. And he's clearly so how the, much of an upgrade. So, Two-point upgrade, I would think, based upon Kessler being worse than I expected. I looked at this. Initially, I gave them a one-point upgrade. And then I said to myself, you know what? Remember when they went to Kessler and I said, RJ, I'm going to upgrade Jacksonville because the the, the team's going to be more excited. Guess what? (laughs) I'm going to upgrade them again now because I think they're going to be excited to have just the better quarterback that gives them the better chance to win, which was evident what happened against Miami 7-7. They went ahead and brought Bortles in, controlled the game. Defense played really hard from the point that um, Bortles came in. So um, I think Jacksonville's clearly the better team now with Bortles back under center. So with all your various holiday commitments, did you have a chance to watch the Jacksonville game last week? I did not watch the game. Because I thought I heard you say something where when, when Bortles came in, you felt like they played harder. I watched the end of the game. Okay, when so you saw when Bortles came in, yes. And did you sense that the team picked up? Absolutely. So they 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 got a bump. They completely shut down Miami. Obviously, they got a pick six to get margin, but they didn't need it. They were going to likely win the game anyways when they're up ten seven. Here's what I'm confused about: the Texans were ahead against you know they were down thirteen late, and they were ahead, and then Foles came back with the last score. And I get it. Thomas is out, so that hurts him. But otherwise, this is the same team, right? No one else is hurt. Correct. And they might get the running back back, I'm guessing. Yeah. Right? Because he was a late scratch last yeah, week. Yeah, and he's certainly an upgrade over Blue, their backup running back. So the question is, this line's only three and a half, so the, or, or six and a half, saying three and a half on a neutral. Texans could literally lose it. In fact, the Texans lose, they lose the division. Yeah. That's automatic. The, the Colts-Tennessee winner would win the division. Yes, they need to. I know they need to win to win the division. Yes, so I mean, and they still have a, a small chance at, the, at a buy. So, wouldn't you say the Texans are max motivated here? Absolutely. So, how's the difference in this team? Only three and a half. The line certainly looks short. So, why don't you like it? You know, I just haven't gotten the Jacksonville games right. 
That Jacksonville. Yeah, you got it Jackson- right against me on this podcast. Last yeah, that was just. I, was, I lost three hundred bucks. I was more fading. The, I was reading the market than doing my. Well, I, I saw the sharp money coming in on Jacksonville, right. so it wasn't so much that I liked Jacksonville. And there's sometimes I'm gonna be honest. There's sometimes you you feel like you you own a team. You're reading no, I them think right. You're right. I think you're right. This Jacksonville team is a mystery. It's to one me. thing to lose a game, lose a second game, but think you had the right side, but watch it and it went. Then you got to keep batting the team if you just don't have a feel for the team at some point you got to give up on them though i'm stubborn i i want to keep betting against washington just to prove i'm not going to get pushed off it but <laughs> again that can be too you can be too stubborn sometimes all right brad you passed too what's keeping you off of the texans uh, another reason like what we we're just mentioning i don't have a great feel for jacksonville right now and as bad as bortles was early in the season Kessler was significantly worse only two touchdowns in 14 quarters of play so any uh, semblance of an offense and, and Jacksonville at least being priced as a slightly below average team. Definitely not a team that's only won four games on the season. All right, guys, we got some games left. And next, next, Dave Esler joins with his one and only best bet of the week. First, our one and only commercial break. All of us put off doing things we know we need to do. I mean, we know we need to organize the garage. We know we need to get through the closets, clean them out. But something just gets in the way. Funny how home security can be like that. You know it's a good idea, but there's always something holding you back. Maybe it's the idea of paying a middleman or scheduling a six-hour installation window. Like you have time for that. No way. Fellow procrastinators of home protection, Simply Safe Home Security has gotten rid of all the reasons not to get home security because they believe nothing should come between you and protecting your home and all the things you love inside of your home. No contracts, no markups, no complicated installation. It's professional grade home security that's engineered to do one thing quickly and amazingly well, protect you and yours. So yes, you could add this to your epic to-do list when you know it's never going to get fully done. We're never going to get to the bottom of it. Or you could get started with this very important thing right away. Just go to simplysafe.com slash dream. There's no time like the present. Simplysafe.com slash dream. That's D-R-E-A-M. And lastly, our old friends, a true car. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper. You nervously picked up a first date. The luxury package you got after the big promotion or the mileage you saved riding your bike or scooter. (laughs) Moped all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with TrueCar, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell it or trade it in. Just go to TrueCar, simply enter your license plate number, and boom, the car's details pop up. Then you simply answer a few questions, things like, do you have a navigation? Do you have a moonroof? And watch as these features bump up the value of your car. If you happen to have high mileage, well, you knew that wasn't a good thing. But now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you finished, 
you'll get a true cash offer sent within minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas. If it's available in yours, take advantage. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. All right, boys, let's finish strong. Let's finish strong. Esslers are... Only best bet of the week, so let's give him his due. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. I've been on Baltimore for weeks, and I'm not getting off the Ravens. Cleveland's overachieved. Face it. Since they're by, they're 4-1. However, they've beaten a shorthanded Bengals team twice. They beat the Panthers at home. Panthers have one road win. They beat Denver. We saw how good Denver is not Monday night against the Raiders. They lost badly at Houston, the only potential playoff team of the bunch. Baltimore could have won at Kansas City, but impressively to me, they beat the Bucks. in what was a big-time potential letdown spot after that Chiefs game and before that road win last week. At the Chargers, the Ravens' defense is still number one, yards per play, points per play, and, oh, yes, points per game. Last week, I told you Jackson had gone three games without an interception. It's now four games. Jackson's rushing has clearly opened it up for everybody else. Gus has come in and ran for 82 or more yards in five of six games, three times over 100. Ravens are in a win-and-in scenario and do not need help this weekend. So kudos for what Cleveland's done. The reality check comes in Baltimore Sunday. Ravens win, Ravens cover, and the Ravens is a team that nobody wants to see in January. What do you agree with, Faz? What do you disagree with? I think I disagree with the strength of schedule that Cleveland's played, that Dave's dismissing what they've done. Yes, they played a relatively easy schedule, but they didn't just beat the Bengals twice. They annihilated my Bengals. 28 nothing the first time they beat them, 26-3 to the second time. Both those final scores look reasonable because the Bengals got a whole bunch of garbage points late in the fourth quarter. And those wins against Carolina and Denver, those were both dream crusher type of losses where both Carolina and Denver were still in the playoff hunt. And they I, don't, lost I, don't, I don't think, hold on. Denver wasn't in the playoff hunt. When Denver lost to San Francisco, that we were, someone could put, you know, Boy, thank God I'm here. Someone could pull the tape of you saying against Denver a couple of weeks ago against Cleveland. Denver had the dream crusher loss. Yeah, that's, a good, the that's a good point. They'd fallen to six and seven. So it was the week before, but they were still mathematically alive, I believe, against against Cleveland. So Maybe that's a stretch. Didn't you make a commitment that you weren't going to say things you know weren't true? Let's stick with the two Bengal phony finals. They crushed the Bengals twice, and the win against Carolina was a game that absolutely Carolina desperately needed and Cleveland got it done. But in that Carol- I mean, that was the middle of a six, seven game losing streak. Yeah, one of the many games that Carolina needed must win games that they, that they did lose. I just like the way the- Cleveland's playing. Let me make a case for Cleveland. 
season win number next year, looking ahead, I would set Cleveland's over under at eight and a half. I would set Baltimore's at nine and a half. I think Baltimore next year, I would price one game. I'd like to go under that right now. Great. You're making my point. So if Baltimore's only a little bit, is only going to be a little bit better than Cleveland. Half a game's more than a little bit. Right, right. They're all clustered around. Pretty much every team's clustered that has a chance, a reasonable chance of the playoffs is between eight and a half and nine and a half. Fair enough. But if they're going to have season wins that are that close together, their power rating shouldn't be that far apart. What's the power rating? I mean, both teams are motivated here. You could make the case Baltimore more. I don't think so. Because I think the I think the Browns want to finish the season on this win streak, like the 49ers did last year. So, what's your power? Let's assume max motivation for both. I've got Baltimore three a three points better team. Boy, that's wow! So you got like like Cleveland, like the twelfth, thirteenth best team right now. Yeah, I got Cleveland one point better than an average team, and that so who else them, is one point better? Uh, Philadelphia. So Philadelphia and Browns on a neutral pick them. That's where my numbers have. Yes. Oof. What do you think, Bray? Give me Philly on that one. <laughs> All right. So what do you think in general? Uh, I lean more towards the under because I do think mo- both teams are going to be max motivated. Greg Williams uh, has said where you are. 41. The- I know. But I mean, well, the last week I'm with the Chargers team. That, that's much more, in my opinion, dynamic offensively than the Browns are. I mean, they couldn't score against this Baltimore defense. Both teams are running. Nick Chubb's running it for Cleveland. Well, the Baltimore's committed to Hold the on run. a second. So so the Browns were three at Denver, right? He went to two and a half late. So that means they were even. So you're saying the Ravens would be six right now against Denver? Well, Denver's power rating is just completely imploded. Well, there was the Browns game and then it was the Raiders game, right? So it's... What I'm saying is it was just the one game before this. So if this game were Sunday, as in a couple days ago, that Denver would only been a plus six. So what's Denver Cleveland's power rating difference right now? So Denver, I actually have them as four and a half points worse than an average team right now. And I just completely dropped their power rating um, three and a half points just recently. I guess we had a pretty sharp side with the Browns getting three there, huh? Yes. I just think this is one of those you could say, oh, it's in division. Browns want to finish. They want to start a rivalry, you know, the Cleveland versus Baltimore. And that's just really art mode. Dallas Browns and Baltimore. Yeah. But the idea this line's only three plus home field when Ravens are in a must win spot, it really accentuates the fact, how could the Browns be cheaper? How could you make the case the Browns are cheap right now? I think it's Ravens or pass. You can't play the Browns. Yeah, because this is being priced such that these teams have even motivation, even though obviously that Baltimore needs this win to make the playoffs. I got to ask you guys, and I'm really not sure what the right answer is. Obviously, last year, Baltimore was a similar spot. They need to beat the Bengals at home to make the playoffs, and they lost as a nine and a half point favorite. Does that favor them here, or is that a big distraction? I don't think it's either. I think it's a sign of a problem with Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh... When the pressure is highest and the Super Bowl runs the exception there, but in general, he feels like a Bill Cower. He'll get a team up when maybe you think the team might be flat, but he'll make a team tight when they need to win a game. Mm. And, and, and remember when they did make that Super Bowl run, they were underdogs pretty much every right. game, if not every game. Cause remember they were a wild card team that played all road games. And I know they were like, what, what was it? Four point underdogs against the 49ers. If I'm remembering right in the Super Bowl. I think it was less. Well, they were certainly underdogs. Yeah, they were dogs. So 
Now, you could say Super Bowl dog or not. It's high pressure. Okay, yeah, I hear you. But in general, I think Harbaugh in these must-win spots uh, is probably too intense. Now, Lamar Jackson is in Flacco. Now, you would think a rookie would have more trouble with the intensity, right? Because Flacco seemed, if anything, to be low-key, right? His heart rate wasn't going up, it seemed like, in any circumstances. All right, Tampa, Falcons. Tampa favored by one and a half. Fez, you got to lean on the total. That's very sweet of you. Uh, Brad, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to lean on Tampa. And to me, I just think the values in last week's misleading finals involving both teams. Number one, Tampa lost by seven to Dallas. <laughs> the box score said different. Outgained the Cowboys by 150 yards. Yet another turn, couple turnovers being the main culprit in that game of why Tampa Bay lost. That's been the story all year. And Atlanta, fortunate to, to beat you guys by 14, Carolina last week. Plus two turnovers, and a couple of those didn't even show up because Carolina was stopped on downs in the Atlanta 20-yard line. Four trips for Carolina inside Atlanta's 20-yard line ended up with zero points, misleading 14-point win for the Falcons. Both of those finals create value on Tampa Bay. So this line is saying Falcons are clearly better than the Bucks. Does that make sense to you, Fast? I do have Atlanta slightly better than the Bucks, But not one and a half points and certainly not coming off a three. Yes, that's that's correct. All I, right, so the power ratings say Tampa. Why not Tampa? You know, I think I think Brad brings up a good case for we should be on Tampa because I'm thinking back to the, the first time they played. Remember, RJ, we laid three and a half with Atlanta in that game and Atlanta played a horrible game against Tampa the whole way. Looked like they weren't going to cover and they're up two and they kicked a 57-yarder with like six seconds to play or something. It was in the final 30 mm-hmm, seconds. Mm-hmm. Remember that? So yeah. it, it's almost like when one team steals a cover like that, I immediately say to myself, wow, I got away with one with Atlanta. Let me go ahead and try to get a second win by going against them the next time these two teams play. So what you're saying is when you get one you don't deserve, instead of being happy about it, you're thinking about how can I get more things I don't deserve. Exactly right. <laughs> I'm the dirtiest player in the game. At least you're being honest. I mean, you can't talk for hours and not be honest. (laughs) I think the mistake I made with the Falcons was when you do have a dream crusher by that second week, if it's early in the year, it's like back to business. Back to business is normal. Yeah, it's like, hey, they're not going to play super hard, but they're not going to like be flat the whole end of the year. And I just was looking to fade the Falcons seemingly in every spot. And I think I'm just disinclined to do that. And I mean, if you had to say Cutter right now, even money, does he coach Tampa next year? What would you take? Wow. I would say he's unlikely to come back. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. So now does that, ha- I th- it seems to hurt you. The la- the very mm-hmm. last day, that substitute teaser seems to happen more with yeah, the very well, last game. Dolphins, Bills, Bills favored by three and a half. Oh, Brad, I forgot you have a best bet. We already played, but uh, you know, here we go. I'll give you a little something special. Whoa, make me rich, make me rich. Whatever you can drop, yes, Thank you, RJ. Merry Christmas <laughs> to me getting that sound drop. Best bet for me is on the Bills. I'm anxious to see Fez get on me on this one. Buffalo minus three and a half, my pick. It's a fade against Miami. For me, a Miami team that I really liked last week went down in flames. If you can't get up at home against Jacksonville, how in the hell are you going to get up at on the road in Buffalo in temperatures with highs in the upper 20s? Miami's been outgained now in nine straight games, held to under 200 yards 
in three of their last four, including, you want to talk about one of the phoniest finals of the entire NFL season? The Bills, just a few weeks ago at Miami, had a 415 to 175 yard edge and somehow lost that game to the Dolphins. They get revenge against Miami team. Traditionally very poor in week 17 with nothing to play for. Dolphins one and eight against the number in week 17, the last nine years. And Miami, not very good on the road in Buffalo. Three and 10 straight up and against the spread last 13 years. Give me the Bills minus three and a half. I tell you, I actually probably lean Dolphins here. And, you know, I'm not sure. Green button? I I, I understand. I invented the green button. So I know it exists. Don't worry. (laughs) I like that. I invented the green button. (laughs) I am the green button. (laughs) I am Takapa. Wait, that's. (laughs) Anyone get that one on Twitter? I'll be very impressed. I think the fact that New England treated it like a, like an intramural game. (laughs) I mean, like we're just going to run and run and run and we're going to, and actually talk about backdoor. Right. They scored with less than two minutes left the Bills. They were down 23. Yeah. It was, or, or maybe it was 20. I, I think they missed a two point conversion. It was exactly the opposite. The first game, the Bills should have covered against New England and they didn't. The second game, New England should have covered and they dominated, but the Bills covered. And the question is, is Gase, cause I think Gase's job is borderline on the line, as in borderline, he might already be, uh, dead man walking. Or he wins this game. Maybe there he's fine. But my sense is him and Tannehill, and I get the results weren't great last week. I liked Miami, but the whole everyone else didn't. The market didn't. So I stayed away. But I got to tell you something. It feels like it's not going to be a flat spot. So if it's not a flat spot, are the Bills clearly better than the Dolphins? No, I've got the both teams very, very comparable in my power ratings. So really the only reason to like the Bills here, Brad, and it seems like it's part of your premise, is the idea is the Dolphins are going to be flat. Yes, exactly. And I think that's very possible. Yeah. But I, I'm not so sure because of the gay situation. And because of that, you know, I don't want to personally, I'm not inclined to make a bet based on that, but I don't want to bet the other way either. <laughs> Cause I know how that green button works. Titans Colts Sunday night football Titans, a home dog of three right now. And Brad, you like the Colts. I do. So Fez, I'm going to ask you power ratings right now. Your power ratings are up at pregame. What do you have the difference? And do you account for Mar- Mariota's uh, injury right now? Yeah. So Indy's easy. I've got them three points better than an average team. I'm confident in that power rating. Tennessee Titans, I have at minus one. And where did I come up with minus one? I had the Titans two points better than an average team. I've lowered them three points. That assumes Mariota will start, which may not occur, but that he won't be close to 100%. So based upon what you guess Mariota is going to be health-wise, how much difference is it between him and the backup, Gabbard? So five-point difference if Mariota was completely healthy. Really? Mm. Yes. I like the That's way crazy. I like the way Mario has I mean, been playing the, the, the when he when he was healthy in in November. I mean, how so that mean so where would you put Gabbert 1 to 32 as a backup? He would be somewhere in the middle. All right. So, I think if anything a little above average if not below average, right? Maybe for, slightly above average for okay. backup quarterback, yeah. And I'm guessing there's only seven or eight 
quarterbacks that are worth more than five points. I mean, how many quarterbacks are worth more than five points? They're their backup. And in this case, you've got a slightly above average backup. Yeah, I got I got eight quarterbacks, I believe, that were seven points or more worth. Eight quarterbacks? That's not possible. Run down the list. Uh, Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Big Ben, Philip Rivers. That's seven. Matt Ryan. Really, Matt Dak Ryan? Dak Prescott. Oh, come uh, on. Dak Prescott. You're joking, right? Five points. Okay. And who else is five? Um, That is it. Nobody else. So you got Mariota as the ninth most valuable quarterback in the NFL. Yes. Do you want to really stick to that? The ninth most valuable when, quarterback when he's full, in the NFL. When he's fully yeah. healthy. When is that? Rare. Has he been fully healthy this year? Yeah, in November he was. He was and he was the ninth well best quarterback for in the that, NFL. For that he was the ninth one best month quarterback of time, in the NFL. For that one month of time he was. Brad, does that make sense to you? It does, and it kind of questions. Yeah, it questions everything, doesn't it? Yeah, it kind of. This team's been averaging 23 points a game since November 1st. Yeah, and it's all been Mariotta, right? Yeah, well, Derrick Henry's had something to do with it, too. I almost want to downgrade this to a lean, but I'll stick (laughs) to my like. My anticipation is this line is telling me Blaine Gabbard's going to start with Indy being minus three. And if that's the case, uh, I mean, in a must-win situation with an Indianapolis team that just had their flat spot a week ago against the Giants. They had a bad game. It wasn't a flat spot. That's true. <laughs> you that's don't think they were motivated in a must-win game? It's just you can only be motivated so many games in a row. True. true. Right? I'll take it. Luck, who's never lost to the Titans in his entire Except career. Except we have a total different coach and a whole different scheme. Yeah. Man, you're picking this apart. <laughs> this is when I push the green button. <laughs> you know, it's a great point. If Gabbard does indeed have to go, what does this line close? Because I think it'll go, it'll, it'll go to four. Easily. Well, it looks like, I mean, right now it's 320, so it looks like it's moving in that direction. Next game, Steelers, Bengals, 14 and a half. You got to lean on Pittsburgh Fest. Really? Mm. I do. And RJ, obviously, I want to get your feedback on Pittsburgh's attitude coming into this game, but I got these Bengals. These Bengals, um, we talked about already, The both their losses to the Browns. They just got crushed by the Browns. They should have lost both those games. I got it, I got it. By 20-plus points. They're done. Stick a fork in them. This team is absolutely just been bashed with injuries. They have no playmakers left. So Boyd's out for sure this week? Yes. Okay. Yes. He's so out. he's on IR? I, I read that he was out. All right. So I just don't see how... Are you sure that wasn't last week before the holidays? Brad's checking on it, but I, I thought I read that he was out for for the year. So uh, I don't I don't see how they're going to score seventeen points. Was there gonna... a scroll on the bottom of Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer? You were watching with your boy Boyd out. It's possible there were some Christmas specials. <laughs> Headline like, says iffy, iffy, iffy. I thought Roto World said he was out for the year. That was last week. Well, if they said he was out for the year, he oh, can't, out come, for the he can't year? come back. It's not possible. Um, but if he's not on the IR, there'd be no reason because right. you put him on the IR and you get another player. Is a, I mean, I guess I don't know if the last week that matters or not with the practice squad or whatever. I, my sense is he's less than 50%. How much? I mean, the funny thing is I, I, I'd make the case he's worth a decent amount just because he's the only playmaker. Exactly. So he's not worth a point. Most of the year he's probably not worth half a point. But right now I think he's worth a full point because he's only Driscoll's only weapon to throw to at wide receiver. Here's what I would say. This game has some of the same problems of the scoreboard watching 
Baltimore gets up mm. 16. So if you do like Pittsburgh, I think you look for it's that same first half kind of thing, right? And I also think that this is a game that probably would be the least attractive game to tease because I think Pittsburgh could win by 35. And, and I think Pittsburgh, it could be a tight game where they win on the last drive. So I don't have any real feel for this. It just, you know, obviously Pittsburgh played hard last week. Let's give them credit. They probably should have won the game, but now how, I mean, maybe this is the ultimate question. Do they end up feeling the following emotion? Hey, we've let, we've effed things up. We let's make a statement to finish the year one way or another. And, and maybe Baltimore wins. Maybe they don't, but let's not leave. Let's not mess it up again ourselves. Or it could be, Hey, we effed up and the season's pretty much over, you know? So, and based on Tomlin's post game interviews, you think they're going to bring maximum effort, but let's face it. Tomlin's great with post game interviews. You always feel that way. Yeah. If you could buy into his BS <laughs> next game, Vikings bears. This one surprises me. The line on this one. Now I'm looking for an updated line. I'm seeing four. I saw five just a couple hours ago. So this baby got hit with the bears. Yeah, money coming in on the Bears surprised me because I think the Bears have some dubious... Uh-oh, here comes... We're going to find a way, even though they're playing for the second seed, they're not going to play hard. Right, so the Bears can get the number right. two seed. He says, right. Yeah. How do they get the number two seed? Well, they got to beat Minnesota, and they need a loss by the Rams, who are hosting San Francisco. Unlikely, but it could happen 20% of the time. San Francisco does win this game. But I, I don't think that what's being discussed enough is the fact that should... Chicago lose this game and Minnesota win, there's a real likely chance that these two teams are going to play each other the week after in the playoffs. What do you mean likely chance? Wouldn't it be a sure thing? Seattle could lose. But Seattle, I thought you said Seattle's locked in the five. Or in no, no, they're locked into as a wild card, but they could lose, my understanding, they could lose the five and be a six. Yeah. Are we sure of that? Yeah, they're nine and six and they'd be nine and seven. If Minnesota wins, they'd be nine, six, and one. Okay. That's so unlikely, but could happen. And let's think about it. So you would play the Bears or the Cowboys in theory, assuming the Rams win. So you much rather play Dallas. Dallas. So you see out of one. You want to be the five. Yeah. Okay. Huh. And so what we're saying is if the Vikings win, but Seattle loses, then it's Bears Vikings. Yes. Uh, no, no, no. If, see, if Seattle wins, it's Bears Vikings. Yeah, if Seattle yeah. if Seattle wins, they have the five. Okay, right. I might have misspoke. And then the Vikings, if they win, they'd have the six, and it's six versus three. Correct. So you're Chicago. So How the much, question is, do you worry about being vanilla? Yeah. Do you want to show anything? What would you do if you're Chicago? I would say I try to win the game, but I'm not showing anything. Well, this feels like another one of those. You know, the Rams could eat. So let's think about. Let's let's be specific with a, a a parlay here. I think you play Rams in the first half, the same kind of theory you were talking about, and then you play the Vikings. The theory yeah. being if the Rams get up 21 nothing at halftime, mm. all of a sudden now Bears get extra vanilla. That's good. That's, that's strong. That's dream time. No, that's your No, no, that's your I hadn't this thought of this one though. Yeah, this is this is interesting. Okay, cool. I actually like that. 
All right, so Brad, you actually like Minnesota. You like Minnesota here. I do like Minnesota because of I got one team that you know 100% is max motivated. It's Minnesota. Win and in for Minnesota. They can't, if they lose, they don't control their playoff destiny because Philadelphia, if they win, Philadelphia would be in over Minnesota. On top of that, uh, Chicago, we already mentioned it, the fact that the Bears could be potentially vanilla in this one. Also, Minnesota just at home under Zimmer. I love playing them. Why not? 74% against the spread all time at home under Mike Zimmer since 2014. I think you got a hot team here playing their best football this season down the stretch. Give me the Vikings. So I was digging in last week. I actually found something interesting about the Vikings, and it's not good for this game, at least to some degree, is if you look at Zimmer, now he has the best records. I think 14 was his first season. Best ATS record of any coach. Belichick second. Against division, 15-12-2. Non-division, 36-14-3. So to me, it kind of makes sense. Is This is a guy that can, it looks like, trick you. Come in, get a great, either tricking you or gets a quick feel for you. Because you don't play him often, but he's... Getting to eighty five percent efficiency in the game plan pretty much in a week, whereas when it's in division, the idea is okay. Everyone knows everybody, so unless you're a super trickster, they're all kind of coaching as good as Zimmer because they're familiar with. Like he seems to be able to scheme up against an unfamiliar opponent very well. Uh, so to me, now considering the fact the Bears, this is Nagy's first year, you can make the case it's an unfamiliar opponent. Right. So it's kind of simulating an out of division game in a way where three years from now, if both these guys are coaches, it would be a division game. But it is noteworthy. Fez, you like the under. I do. I think perfect storm. We talked about all the reasons that Chicago should play hard. I like that for the under, but keep it vanilla on offense. You don't want to show anything. You might have to play the Vikings next week. And if you look at the Vikings, we've already been talking about this. Under Stefanski, new OC, they've gone from throwing the ball two-thirds of the time to running the ball more than half the time. They've been successful with that approach. No reason to deviate from it. More running means the clock um, is running more more during the game, more likely to go under. I got a question, Faz. And I mean, some might think this is inappropriate, but I'm comfortable with it. We had lunch before we mentioned it, and I walked in the bathroom when you were there, and I saw you in the mirror saying, Stavansky, Stavansky. Like, how, how many like times? the fan, the fan, how many, the fan. How many times did you work on his name? Well, after getting both those C's names wrong the week before, seven. <laughs> Imagine... Imagine you're in Wikipedia. Vegas. Imagine you're on <laughs> to Wikipedia. Imagine you're in Vegas and you walk in and you see Isaac in the bathroom, <laughs> look in the mirror, going Savansky, Stavans, Savansky, Stavansky. <laughs> we, hey, Sleepy, what do you think of that? I like it. You like what? Fezzik in the bathroom? <laughs> no, just uh, the fact that Fez is staring in the mirror. You say the name, maybe you know what you're going to get him on. Chargers, Broncos, six and a half. Lines up from four. Fez, you're passing. Brad's passing. Uh, give me the key factors, Fez, in the game. Cannot bet the Chargers because they may look up at the scoreboard and see Kansas City up by 35 points. And at that point... And this is the other side where 
you might want to, if you don't like, if you like the Broncos. So the other side of that bet was Kansas City first half and then Broncos. Correct. Potentially. Correct. But Correct. you don't like the Broncos. But I think the Broncos are a dead team. Um, what does that mean, dead team? Well, Vance Joseph is very likely to be let go at the end of the year, and the players sure look to have checked out on him. We saw that against Oakland Monday Night Football. How would you characterize that game? I mean, obviously the scoreboard, you think the scoreboard was indicative? Absolutely. I think that, that Denver got outplayed, out-hustled, uh, just did not look like. Did it feel team. like Raiders had above average motivation or Ver- was it Raiders def- very much above average, but was Denver average or were they deficient? Deficient. So it was actually one above and one below average. Correct. Hmm. And now Denver's running back. Who's been the bright spot of the year is out with the wrist injury, Lindley. And that's a really key Lindsay. injury. Lindsay. And that's, that's a really key injury. <laughs> He'll be in the bathroom next with Lindsley. 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 The fancy filled up. Lefanski. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right. So, so what you're saying is sometimes it's this simple. You can't bet the charges because you think there's too much risk of Casey blowing them out and there's a deflation during the game because the games happen concurrently. And you can't bet the Broncos because you have huge questions about their motivation. Yes. Brett. That's about sums it up for me. <laughs> You've got a bunch of notes here. Give us give us well, your best I, thing I will, in the notes. All right. I will say the Chargers, to no surprise, because they have a very poor home field advantage, much better team away from L.A. this year. Six and one in their road games against the number, only two and six at home. Chargers do have revenge a little bit from a game they absolutely fed, should have won against Denver earlier this year. But uh, I agree with Denver being dead. First time, I thought this was remarkable. Denver hasn't had back-to-back losing seasons since the early 70s. That was one of the longest streaks in all of professional sports. Craig Morton, Seahawks, <laughs> Cardinals, Seahawks favored by 13 and a half. And we just assessed Seattle has motivation to win the game. And that's interesting. So if Seattle, all right, so the team that's competitive with Seattle in the wild cards, Minnesota, Minnesota's going to play hard anyway. Okay. I was thinking, does this game, if there's a blowout affect anything? So really it's not about, so we didn't talk about the Philadelphia side. So the theory is if Minnesota's up 21, Philadelphia gets deflated. Yes. Because that's the team. It's really Minnesota or Philly in Right. Correct. And then it, Seattle, though, could actually fall behind the team that gets in in the last week. Correct. OK. Um, Brad, you lean Seattle. I do. Uh, they've already locked up a playoff bid, but you'd much prefer to play Dallas than Chicago in, in year one. And we just talked about a coach most likely in their final game with Denver, most likely the final game one and done. For Steve Wilkes, the Arizona head coach, do you have a substitute teacher effect? Arizona's looked dead the last couple of weeks. Uh, big mismatch at the line of scrimmage. Seattle, the number one team in the NFL in running the football. That, no matter who's sitting out for the most part, you can replicate that. Where is Arizona as far as defending the run? Dead last in the NFL. Conservative game plan. Seattle just runs it down Arizona's throat. And my one concern about that is you mentioned no matter who's playing for Seattle, you can replicate it. I'm not sure that they can replicate it with all the injuries on the O-line right Mm. now. Fant is questionable. Sweezy is questionable. Afidi, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing him (laughs) as well. I-F-E-D-I. And with all those questions, and you saw the Kansas City game when those guys were getting shuffled in and out, they were really, really thin by the end of that game on the O-line. And as as a 13.5 point favorite, they just want to win. If they're up 
10, 14 points in the fourth quarter, these guys could definitely come out of the game. Dr. Lakshmanan Satyavagiswaran. The first name goes as follows. L-A-K-S-H-M-A-N-A-N. And the last name is S-A-T-S and Thomas. H-Y-A-V-A-G-I-S-W-A-R-A-N. <laughs> Got it, Fez? Perfectly. <laughs> Last game, Rams, 49ers. Rams by 10. Fez, you like the Rams. I do like the Rams. I got to tell you, this. I think this line was one of the worst openers that we've seen all year long. So I'm sitting back. It's Christmas week. Not putting in well, my keeps, due diligence. He keeps mentioning that, doesn't yeah. he? But I got this one right. They opened the sucker up at 6. And I said, oh, wow. what in the world is this? There is no way that, I mean, the Rams have maximum incentive here. Now, was this open? Was this opened up when Chicago still could have lost against San Francisco? No, no. Okay. So it opens up and it, it's clear cut. The Rams have to win to have the number two seed. And so I just hammered it three times, late six, six and six and a half. And here it sits at 10. I still like the Rams. The 49ers have just to play. So by the way, 50 bucks. <laughs> Now he's under well, talking about well, lines. Well, Brad, you're going to owe me seven, seven, <laughs> I fifty. Really so got, it's 150 now. Yeah. Go ahead. So San Francisco has just had three straight games at home, three state close games against Denver, against Seattle, and um, and they just finally lost against the Bears. I got to wonder how much energy they have left. And when one thing, RJ, sometimes a team really gets up for all. Oh, let me knock a team out of the playoffs. But what are they? What is San Francisco playing for here? Well, they're playing to knock mm. the Rams down from the number two to the number three seed. Big so deal. that's interesting. So to play spoiler, winning the game would have to truly spoil something. Yes. That's fascinating. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, 49ers have had three straight home games before this. Yes. I've seen historically if a team has multiple home games and then one final road game, and they're out of the playoffs, that last road game is a chore. It's like, man, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to go on this last trip? It's a me- mm. It's not only play the game, it's going along, you know, a trip, not so long in this case. But, and I also think this plays into something that, boy, we kept off the, off a loser because we like, you know, initially we like San Fran, but then as we thought about it last week, so we talked about it, Denver a couple weeks ago, San Fran hosted plus four. Now, that means they were seven points worse than Denver, San Francisco, right? Because plus four at home. Seattle, the next week, they were plus four, San Fran at home. Seven points worse. Okay, well, Denver, Seattle's clearly better. Much better. That was an upgrade for San Fran. Then San Fran hosted Chicago, and lo and behold, it was plus four. So seven points better. So now... Seattle better than Denver, Chicago better than Seattle. But if a line's 10, how many points better are you? And the Rams are better. How many points better are you if the line's 10? Seven. Exactly. (laughs) So the last four games, it's been seven, 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 and seven. I see where you're going now, RJ. Denver, Seattle, Chicago, Rams. So somehow the 49ers lost against the spread. And they're still be, I mean, right now, Chicago Rams on a neutral is what? I've got the Rams minus a half without Gurley. That's it. They were just three point favorites at Chicago. 
So this line has swung five and relative power ratings of Chicago and Rams has swung five and a half points. Yeah, we made one of our biggest bets on Chicago plus three. Remember, no girly too. No girly right now. Okay, so you're saying minus a half without girly. How, yeah, and my power rating. And how much is girly in your rankings? Uh, if he was healthy, he'd be worth the point, but I don't okay. I don't know if he's going to be healthy the rest of the year. Still, though, the idea... Now, the case can be made. The Rams don't have a great home field, so it'd be better to be plus four in San Fran uh, or minus four for the Rams. But still, it just feels like the love for the 49ers isn't en- it just isn't ending. You just got to wonder, have they... you know? They won, they won, they lost is, you know, and now they're on the road. I think it was real motivational questions. And the way they lost, not like they got blown out or anything. It was a very credible, like year end effort. I mean, they can be proud of themselves and enjoy the holiday week. Any closing thoughts? All right, guys, listen, we went over two hours. Uh, I'll save my really what we were going to talk about, about our approach last week. Uh, it might be even better if we roll it in the first week of the playoffs to what we end up doing. So one more time, we gave you everything we truly like here. We're, our picks, though, they will come out on my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. We have a chance. The party, There's still a chance. Right, not a great one because we're two games back. Hey, hey, get your chin up. If you can, no, I'm you, just realistic. If you told, hey, beginning of the year, you told us you're going to be two games out with one week to play. Oh, we have more equity today than we did to start the year, but huge more equity. I we can agree. do this. I agree. All right. Well, listen, <laughs> I agree. I'm giving it my all. I promise. I just want to keep expectations in line. Right. We'll, but we'll talk about the concepts. Next week for sure. And uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody. And uh, hey, listen, two hours a day after Christmas. We love it. Talk to you soon. But I guess I keep a gambling, lots of booze and lots of rambling. Well, it's easier than just waiting around to die. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.